Hello, this is Aaron Cooter, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Bingo. It's the start of the race right there. So you know it's real. I know. The wacky race? You could call it that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I'm Penelope Pitstop. Well, this this stuff, Darkwing Duck, is coming back to Disney, whatever. Yeah, loose. that's pretty cool. Indeed, I enjoyed that show. I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do with all these streaming services and cable and Directv. Yeah, seriously, that's how many hours in a day? I, mean, I know you need you need the Directv for the football, right? Otherwise, what else? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's the that's the hook for me. Yeah, for the football. They got the uh, Sunday ticket. Nobody else does. That's the ticket. Yeah. 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 I'm riveted on Sundays. <laughs> but we. <laughs> right, they got. They got a I saw your marathon? boy on IG posting a stunting picture of him in his uniform and his cheerleader girlfriend standing next to him. Ah, oh, she's not his girlfriend anymore. Oh. No, no. but she still, she still directs she's his still every action. That. Yeah. Okay. Why don't we take a picture? Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I said, yeah. why do you let that hoe push you around? And oh, he's, he's cuckolded. Wow. Yeah. You know. Or is she just addicted to the tip? Um. Just d- shut your filthy mouth. But. <laughs> I guess I guess they're still friends, and he's he's still. Benefits. Yeah, he, benefits? I don't. Yeah. I don't stop. <laughs> maybe he's, she just give him. Maybe she just lets him go in the ass now. He's so. <laughs> hey everybody! <laughs> it's eleven o'clock comics episode six. Hundred and twenty-seven. Yes. Oh. Something yeah. like that, yeah. Six six twenty seven. It is, right? I was check my notes. Oh look at that, I'm right. And I'm Vince B. You were always right. And oh. you're always Vince B. And I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am coming at you from Hotlanta because I'm Carson Wentz. Wow, no, you're not. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Carson Wentz. No. From Wentz does Carson go. <laughs> Or has Carson come? You All had... of my fantasy teams this this year are named the Wentz and Future King. Nice. <laughs> you just can't escape the Arthur, can you? It's can't al- do it. always there. It's my dog. Yeah. And uh, this is a very special episode because, um, thanks to our butimous and bountiful patrons, we are doing a theme episode. Yep. We floated out some. Uh, 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 solicitations to our our wonderful patrons, like, hey, we want to do a a quick down and dirty roundtable of of something. Give us some ideas, and they did. They were there for us. But uh, as as Dap reminded us in the beginning of the the show, as we were getting prepared, a lot of their suggestions involved much research. Yeah, and it, since we just asked them yesterday. Yeah. There wasn't really enough time to uh, partake in a lot of their wonderful suggestions. So what we're going to do, something fast, something quick, but could get potentially very much involved. This episode is called The Ups and Downs of Comic Fandom. The good, the bad, the stuff that inspires us and energizes us, and the stuff that just takes the wind right out of our sails. 
and we're going to balance it. It's not going to be a bitch fest. It's not going to be a, you know, a cheerleading session. We're going to try and paint the, an accurate picture of what it's like to be a comic book fan in this day and age, which, as I was thinking about it, is very much different than being a comic book fan in my day and age. Well, I mean, they're friendly. Yes. And, oh. and, I, and I hope I don't sound like, hey, get off my lawn, but maybe. We'll see. Well, a lot of, a lot of my thinking on this since we decided to do this was um, time-shifted, meaning I, I thought a lot about the pros and cons of what's changed. I think a lot of things have changed for the better, and I think a lot of things have changed for the not-so-better. Sure. And there are pros and cons to every change. Yeah. Oh yeah, which which we'll get into, but we really have to give it up to our patrons for making this happen. They are there for us, and you can be too. Join in on the fun. Just go to patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock comics. That's one one no apostrophe, and uh, you'll see what goes down. You'll see some of what goes down. A lot of it's hidden based on your pledge level. And that's how it works. You, either, It's a tiered system. You opt in for a certain tier, and you get the benefits of that tier and everything before it. And it's just a lot of fun. And really, we couldn't do most of what we do without the patrons. So thank you, patrons, for being there. And uh, as we said, the more, the damn merrier. So check it out. Golf clap. Ah, Happy Gilmore clap. Sure. Hey. Gilmore. What are we drinking, my buddies? Well, it's Sunday night. It's mm-hmm. a work night, so oh. <laughs> nothing exciting. I have uh, some mandarin orange seltzer, <laughs> and I have some lime seltzer to follow that up. David's going to hate us <clears throat> because I am drinking water as well. There you go. Yeah, I, I really can't. i got to get up for work for tomorrow. So. Well, maybe I'll drink water too then. That's fine. Why, you got oh, it? Oh, look at you. No, I don't have water. Oh. Oh. What it is. But I'll just, you know, I mean, might as you well. You can't lie. Go with the, I'm not. No lie. I'm still uh, enjoying the, uh, the Joseph Stewart I had the other night. It was uh. a very, it was a very lazy day. I didn't do much today and I didn't, um, I, I was good for most of the day, but I figured it's, it's an episode, it's a patron sponsored episode, can't. Not very tradition. So, although it would have been something if if I had me some soda stream right now. Don't cross the streams. Betty, betty, bad. Betty, bad stuff happens. Yep. So, in preparing for this episode, I kind of broke it down into the aesthetic side of comic book fandom. Okay. And the technological side. Okay. Because uh, current comic book fandom, the technological side uh, is very, very much advanced from when I first started. Um, case in point, I'll just make a uh, – here. here's a, an up and a down. My number one up and a down of comic book fandom is the – Phasing out of the letter column. Yes. Interesting. Yes, that that's very much a down for me because I would get uh, I would derive as much 
enjoyment from the letter columns, especially, and I got to give it up to DC. DC's letter columns, in very, almost to a to a, a comic, were better than Marvel's. Marvel's seemed even back in the Bronze Age. Now, I mean, and then Marvel's letter columns were populated; they're populous, but Marvel seemed to just plug in a lot of praise on their little letter columns where DC would actually have discussions in their letter columns, especially on, in books like Legion and um, the, the the Vertigo books had had very good letter columns. And I'm thinking, I miss this, but we get it online, but it's just not the same thing. It, there's something very lacking. Uh, and I know, Jason, you're going to say that's the equivalent of the DVD extra to me. I just flip by that right uh you're reading my mind i i rarely have ever read a letters column in most of my fandom wow but i gotta give it up to eric larson eric carries the torch his letter column sometimes he'll go four six pages of letters and i just love that um do i care very much about what's being said uh, yes and no it's it's more the it's more reveling in the act of reading a letter column than it is being copacetic with the the reader's replies like a, a lot of them it's very rote hey eric you did a great job on this issue love this page keep it up buddy and that's great but it's it's for me it's more the very act of reading a letter column which just makes me happy to hear eric personally reply to his uh fans is 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 fun for me it adds enjoyment mm -hmm. to the the book and it, it's it takes it from a 20 minute read to a 45 minute well in savage dragon's case to a, like an hour and a half read you know because it's very chunky the letters columns but i mean that's yeah. where i got to know all the people that make comics yeah it was it, instead of just being feeling like it's an assembly line production where it's just like you know here's a couple of pages stapled together with a cover on it and you get to read it and enjoy it every month this was especially in eric's case but also what burned in with next men he kind of um modeled it after uh the comics buyer's guides um right letters page and and uh you got some not necessarily you know it's not like everybody was always just looking for they weren't necessarily looking for answers or or for the creator to explain what they just read two months ago. In some cases, it was also just some insight on on the creator, him or herself. You, know, you wanted to get to know them. I mean, and yes, and today we have Twitter and Facebook and social media and forums to to um, to get all that information. And and in some cases, that's not necessarily a good thing. But you do it. It did give you more than just here's here's my. 75 cents buck and a quarter dollar 99 for my comic book i'm going to read 22 pages of story and then that's it um and i yeah i know that just because the letters page went away uh, yeah it's could be because there's an ad with marvel you got the recap page at the beginning and with dc you got the dc nation page and it was it that just it wasn't for me, it wasn't as entertaining as the old bullpen bulletins pages where you had Stan Soapbox or even Jim Shooter's thoughts. It was it really it it, it was just another page for a house ad. And right. I feel the same way where and it's weird because 
the DC Nation page was, like you said, almost the inverse of the Bullpen Bulletins page where Stan had a personality. Yeah. And we got to know Stan through that. Yes, he was a, a huckster but that and, and uh, the ringmaster, but that was his character. And so the Bullpen Bulletins page was infinitely better than the DC Nation page, but I think that DC had it hand over fist on Marvel when it came to letter columns. Marvels were just fluffy. They were just... Um, Praise, praise, praise. Thanks a lot. You know, that's it. Wait till you see next issue. And if you like Black Panther, he's going to be in this series. Right. You know, two issues from now. You would have, and it was, and they were usually answered or written by the associate editor. And uh, it was more towing the company line. Yeah. You you had people who who were fishing for no prizes on the Marvel side. But for the most part, yeah, it was just, you know, here's my letter. Here's an answer if necessary. Otherwise, you know, move on to the next one. Whereas, like you said, but a lot of the DC guys, like Mike W. Barr, he was his writer and editor. So you had, and Marv Wolfman answered them for for the Titans. So, yeah, you had, you definitely had um, some more, yeah, like you said, there's just more personality in the DC. And you had had the Answer Man. You had uh, the, the... the the Hembeck cartoons and and it was just the DC letters page had had it was a lot more fun with them yeah and they were most of the time they were they, they were more than one page they they oh, wouldn't right. they, they would either be they would be two pages front and back it was just but yeah the the DC letters pages even with their small ass font was you got a lot more letters and interaction on the DC side right and especially in Legion. Okay, where yeah. where it could go for three pages remember a, a reader would write in. Um, lightning, lightning lad's a jerk. Well, remember in issue 223, lightning lad picked up the bauble, which led to the time trapper doing this. And, and you'd get like a, an, an entire column of eensy teensy type delineating the progression from him picking up the bauble to the great darkness, darkness saga. And it's like, wow, <laughs> thank you. You, you right. just, you not only entertained me, but you educate, educated me at the same time. And, right. and before the internet, that was all we had, and it was wonderful. Well, now you can bring up the wiki page, and you get all that. But there's something too easy in just typing in a few letters, getting all the information you would ever want on this, which brings me to another one, and we'll get to it later, I'm sure. But it, Jason hasn't said anything other than didn't dig letters pages. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's fun to hear you guys feel so. Sorry. That's his ops. Is that there's no more letters paid? No, 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 no. I mean, I but I, I just, I just don't. Yeah, it's just not my thing. I don't, I don't generally care about. The, I just never cared about it. it didn't, didn't. I mean, I would scan them just to see if there was any hints as to what was coming because we didn't really have any idea otherwise. But, uh, but no, it just wasn't my thing. Right. Um, but but you I gotta, will say, yeah, no, I just said you got to remember where David and I come from. As far as comics, yes, we were comic fans, but we were also in fandom. We we also bought the fanzines, Comics Buyer's Guide, Amazing Heroes, um, uh, Journal, Comics Reader, the Comics Journal. Oh, the Comics Journal's letters page is amazing. But anyway, that was a crucial part to to David and my comic book experience, where it wasn't all that much for you. Well, I bought Comic Buyer's Guide or read it, and I I bought Wizard and read it religiously. So, I mean, I always liked the idea of interviews or like I, I loved I loved in Wizard when they would have creators do an interview or tell you what was coming, I and mean, that stuff I liked a lot. But 
Um, I just didn't really care about other fans' perspective. <laughs> yeah. Really, I mean, no, but you say all the time, like you know, artists to be like everyone experiences art in their own way. So I, I don't, I never, and even to this day, like I don't really care if somebody's like butthurt over a costume change that I like or like, right. like it just doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's just a, it to me the letters columns are like what the con big time um, panels are now. You get a bunch of fanboys and girls asking questions that they pretty much can't answer. Right. Like, hey, so is Lightning Lad going to be in episode uh, issue six next month? Well, we can't tell you that, but stay tuned. Right. Like, right. that's what the letter columns usually were. Like, oh, thanks so much. We really love that you love Lightning Lad, and stay tuned because there is more of him coming. It's like, okay, I'm, well, I would have imagined that since. It's a Legion book, but that's cool. I mean, dang, I'm sure that fan feels like really gratified that you heard from me now. Right, so, but the one yeah. plus to letters pages, they had the benefit of time where they could edit their responses, right? They can care, carefully construct a reply or have their assistant carefully construct a reply to a question where now, see, and this is leading to my next one, where I think um, my down as far as comic fandom is the social media. That's a huge down for me because yes, we've, we have access to creators unlike at any other time in the past where we can follow them on social media and ask them a question and get it answered almost immediately. But it, in a lot of occasions, Social media gives us an insight into a creator we may not have wanted to see, right? Where they go off the rails on something, and this is a, a guy or a woman whose work you adore, and now she, he or she is talking about sodomizing monkeys. On you know, I'm just using an outlandish example where you might not be that outlandish, well, right? That. Right, but and now um, you can't unread it. It may not affect your buying practices. You may still buy the work from this creator, but you cannot unread that comment. They have made the comment about sodomizing monkeys, and it's going to be in you. There are certain things I may not want to have revealed about the, the uh, faces behind the books I read, right? If they're going into their creative process, great. But if they have a bad day and go off the rails and I'm privy to it. I really don't want to see that where, so now everybody has access to everyone. I don't think that's a huge benefit. I, I mean, I, I know I'm probably in the minority on this, but I, I, I don't like that part of it. I don't, I doubt you're in the minority. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's a trying time for people who, have to remember to separate the art from the artist, and it was much easier way back when um, because you didn't know, right? Yeah, you know. So if if uh, you know if all of a sudden you know you find out that uh, one of your favorite artists um, tends to have some some racist views, then yeah, that's that's going to um, make you feel. A certain way and and you know, the art should still stand on its own be judged 
on its own without you worrying about the the, the person whose hands crafted that. But um, yeah, not everybody not everybody can do that. I there, there are, but that that falls in lines with the what we justify. I mean, there are certain movies I won't see with certain actors nowadays, but you know, it, it's just that that is what it is. So it's the same thing with comics. I won't I won't support certain creators because I may know something about them that. 15 years ago, I wouldn't. And um, other people don't have that problem or other people, you know, may have used that a line and therefore, you know, they're going to go out of their way and, and, and support that creator. But I, it's, it's where I, I don't, I appreciate the ability to interact with creators. Um, but I would, it, it, I, but I, I treat social media differently than some people i know I, i'll read some people on twitter and and there's this sense of entitlement whereas i wouldn't use social media i don't i won't interact i won't have a conversation online with someone that i would not have face to face and and i try to I, I i keep my social media conversations or interactions in line with that but yeah i i don't think i necessarily considered that there are definitely some low points but i don't think that that's for me that that that's not necessarily a, a down thing right but I, I guess i'm approaching it from the the stance where it taints the work a little bit for me yes oh, but i I, I wouldn't go as f i would never make the leap that you do where all right this guy's a despicable Mm -hmm. jerk i'm not gonna buy their work anymore right no. like no because it's just i think it's an extreme I, no it's not an extreme it's it's hey you don't want to support them that is you're, you're voting with your dollar and that's that's the way you should do it right but i'm kind of selfish like say i'm just gonna throw names out there say matthew allison or ben mara was the equivalent of uh van skyver Right, okay. a mouthing off mm -hmm. again uh, about right. you know outlandish stuff. Mm -hmm. I would still buy their work. I would <laughs> see and and really? when you come, yeah, when you come someone like Matthew Allison and 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 yes and and to Ben, it would I would feel it if I decided to stop supporting them. Vince, I don't. I have no. Um, I I don't I don't care that that that. I no longer have anything for Van Skyver and anything current. Well, right, because have, we don't really like his work. Exactly. So right. it's, it's, so it's no loss. Say, right, yeah. Thank you. That was where I was looking Yeah, it's but, not yeah, a big but, loss. But if Richard Corbin came out tomorrow as a card-carrying Nazi, I'd, uh, I'd still buy Richard Corbin books. I'm you sorry. Would, you mm. would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd not. <laughs> but see, like, this I'm is... I'm a huge Brian Wood fan, right? I mean, I've praised most of his stuff. True. But I mean, yeah. but I, I just, uh, yeah, it's just I got no... I'm, I, Done. It's, it's yeah. I'm just done with it. I but can't. It, it brings up the point. We don't know how many people in the past have whose work we love and adore, who may have but been a despicable you person. Know, you know what you know. I know, I mean, but you, I, what, yeah. you know what you know. I, I mean, I right. I mean, the, I mean, how many friends do you have in life that you assume have great marriages until you find out that they're getting a divorce or that they had an affair? Like you, you know what you know. Like that. Like you, you when you're a kid, if you're right, you find out your parents getting divorced. Like you. You have your perception is only what it is, like you said. Right. So, 
But once I find out someone's like once I have proof that someone's a despicable human being, I, then I, I got no time for them. Your father yeah. may be the greatest guy in the world, plays catch with you, takes you everywhere and shit like that. But then you find out he's cheated on your mom and it's like now you're just that. that yeah. And, and that and that's and, and that's a guess again where like it's human nature. That's a different thing because like, first of all, that I mean, that that's that that was my life. But second of all, oh. uh, no, I'm saying like like I think there, you know, then you have a dynamic of uh still being able to love the person because mm. of the of the role they play in your life yeah, yeah and recognizing that they're a flawed human being uh like i guess i view this as apples and oranges for for two reasons one i think when you're talking about like the love of a kid or a parent the the bond of that that's different even even close friends right i mean i've had close friends that have been unfaithful and you find out and it's disappointing but it would never it doesn't ruin the friendship you know what i mean like right. it doesn't like, like I can, I can accept that I, I never presumed they were perfect, but that's different than if a best friend or a father or a kid, uh, you know, committed sexual assault or was a serial harasser or was a Nazi that, that would, that would absolutely change the tenor of my relationship with them. Even if it hurts. I mean, y'all know we joke about it. I live in a town that is predominantly Trump supporters and my social outlets have have it all but evaporated by my own doing because I just don't feel comfortable putting on airs, drinking beers and hanging out with these people and making small talk when I know that fundamentally their views of the world are so diametrically opposed to what I think is right. So it just is what it is. Now it's a personal choice, right? Lots of other people would just be like, Oh, life's too short. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm not saying it's the right, but so for me, like when you're talking about a commercial consumption of something like, uh, I don't begrudge anyone like Vince who wants to continue to support things. Uh, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say I, I, there aren't things that are harder to do to give up. Um, but generally, especially in comics, because there are having, having just done some sorting in my comic room. I mean, I, I literally have a lifetime of comics unread in my home. Yeah. True. I mean, if I never bought another comic book, I genuinely think I could do this show with you guys for another fifty years and have new stuff to talk about. Oh, it's true. It's very. I yeah. was just thinking so, this the other day. Right? Yeah. So, so I can. So, so it's easy for me to say goodbye to Brian Wood. You know, right. it's easy for me to say goodbye to Scott Snyder. It, it, it's not like it's not. And it, it just for me personally. And again, I'm not gonna. If someone says, "Oh, I love that Brian Wood book," or that, that's a bit. They, they, you do you. Like that's yeah. cool. Like, like I'm not like you know. It, it is what it is. Um, it's funny we're talking about this to lead us off because. The uh, the new Dave Chappelle special on Netflix, um, which is you, <laughs> you know, finally watched which, it. Yeah, I finally watched it. It's nice. three, but, I mean, three but, times but, we mentioned him. Oh, I love it. But the whole thing is, is you know, the whole show is basically about the cancel, cancel culture, which is what we're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's funny because it's true. I mean, listen, I I um, I'm a massive Michael Jackson fan, massive, yeah. Yeah. and. I think that colors the idea of wanting to believe that these things that have said are said about him are untrue. Like we want to because I so adore his music and it was such a big part of my life as a, especially younger. I, 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 in your mind, you want to believe the, the best possible explanation, even though it's highly improbable. Right. 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 Whereas like when Chappelle talks about R Kelly, He's exactly right. I love me some R. Kelly. I used to get down to it. It was, you know, but 
that's easier to walk away from because I mean, he did it. I mean, like, right. there's no way like, well, we can we cannot ignore the evidence there that he is an absolute depra- depraved sure, pedophile. Sure, so. it, it was like during the OJ trial, right? Um, the reason why millions of people wanted to see him get off was because he was black, and and they were black, and they're just right. like they, he didn't do it. There's no way he did it. When I mean the 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 a lot of the evidence would indicate that maybe he kind of sort of did right and it, it there were people that were faithful to him not because of the data but because of who he was yeah right well, is what i'm saying I, I, think, I mean you are certainly right that that the uh that there was a it was a very racially divided um uh court of opinion but i i just would add on i don't think it was I think it was a little more nuanced than just people of color wanting to see him get off because he was a person of color. I think it was more that people of color were um, somewhat gratified at the idea that a person of color could get off of a crime that they pretty much did because that's something that only usually rich white people get off. Right. I get, yes. Okay. So So a little little more nuanced. People were like, oh, he did it. Yeah. It was nice for change. I think a lot of people said, well, it's uh, it's nice to see a non-rich white person get off the hook for something. Right. Not that they're happy. I mean, you know, again, and it's not because, oh, I'm so glad that the murder was was shit and and he should... He should pay for it, absolutely. But yes, it is absolutely amazing that um, and a big that, yeah, and a big part of why he got off was because of bumbling racist cops, and and that is an right. easy villain, as, right? And one that I think re- resonates certainly with the, with the with the black community, but but also with plenty of white people. I think. Well, sure. You know, I mean, when you've been victimized for for hundreds of years, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you carry a little bit of a grudge, and I get it. Uh, but I think the when we're talking about something as unique as creating art, the discussion is a little bit different because the art is not the artist. And and the inverse is also true. The artist is not the art. Yes, it is a product of their mind and their hands, but it's a separate entity unto itself. That is why it's it's very I mean, easy for me. I know we've had we've had variations of this discussion many times over the years. I, I don't and this again, this falls into the category of something I don't think you can argue and say, no, you're right, no, you're wrong. I, I, I can't ever tell you that your interpretation of what you just said is incorrect. That's how you feel. I, I don't really believe that, particularly when we get into areas like comics, which are commercial art. They are art for the sake of being sold to make a profit. Sure. Um, and to and and generally that those, especially the things we most gush about are things where most of the profit, if there is any to be had, goes directly to that creator. Right. So, uh, so I, I, I mean, I know what you're saying. I, I, I don't, for me, I don't see it that way. I don't separate. I think because comics were so engrossed in the comic culture and we know so many of these creators personally, or at least friends of friends. And we, we know so much about them as you were just saying, which is, you, you know, if you can, you can be a downside, I, I cannot, like I'm agreeing with your initial point, which is to say we do know so much about these men and women that make these comics that I don't think I can separate the product before me that comes in my DCBS box from who created it. If if I know something about those creators. Right. And I'm gonna be facetious. If you rip up a page of art, does the creator bleed? No. no. Right? So there there's a divide between the hand and the product. Yeah, well, I, and and I get it. I understand your sorry. I understand your 
perspective, but you have an object and a human entity, mm-hmm. right? So th- they are not the same, but one influenced the the other, you know, and, and it, one is a product of the other. But there's a there's a distinct separation between the person that made it and the thing. Well, it's it's I agree with you, and I'm thinking here's a here's a, a here's two examples to illustrate where it works for me and doesn't work. I would absolutely read a comic about a serial killer of children, and I wouldn't be mad at the creator or think they're evil for creating that. Okay. Even though it had to, even though those thoughts and that narrative had to come from some recess of their mind, mm-hmm. I wouldn't read that and think, "Oh man, is this creator? Does he want to kill kids?" Right. But you could give me the dopest Avengers graphic novel of all time. And if I find out the person that drew it is a serial killer, I'm probably not having it on my shelf. Okay. Yep. I don't have to say you know. No, I know how I would approach that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I would we should adapt more more with me on that one. But we should farm out <laughs> Avengers graphic novels to serial killers. What the hell? Let's see what they can come up with. That's true. What was hey. the name of that uh, that artist that was a pedophile? Justiniano. Yeah. So you can't. You wow. cannot. <laughs> No, the reason I bring it up is Justin, Justiniano is a phenomenal artist. It was like a a, a a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a millisecond there. Dad's like, Justiniano, that's the guy. That creeper did but, he did it. But, but there are there are incredible Jesus. Justiniano pages oh, for real. available for purchase on the internet for screamingly cheap and they just sit there because nobody wants to touch them. The work is gorgeous. It it the it really right, is. but I'm saying it's it's available for you. Like like right. if you're like it, you can have it for cheap. Well, I don't love them that. Put much. it right next to no, you. No, but I'm saying if if some someone could, it's seemingly yeah. And I, I'm so glad you made the distinction where the majority of the stuff that we gush about is not the big two stuff. Yeah, we love it, and it's a product of our childhood, and we read it, and largely we enjoy it. But the stuff that really stokes the engine. Yeah is the creator on stuff. I mean, and there are probably people listening to the show laughing at my statement and you're, you're agreeing with it saying you guys are out of your minds. You talk about big two stuff all the time. We do. Yeah, sure. But I think you have to think about it on a relative basis. Um, 80, 80, well, 70 plus percent of the comics market by dollars and units sold are the big two. Mm-hmm. And we don't spend 70% of our time gushing about that stuff. No. I think for, so for me, maybe we spend 40%, but that's still far lower than, the percent that that's still a much low that means we're still spending we're way over indexing on the non-big two stuff yeah, right I, right for the, the the big two stuff though is what brought us to the dance i and oh, and, sure. you, know, you never forget your first love and and it's one of those, you make crazy you may bitch be not thrilled with you know what's going on and uh I, that goes to, that robbie race is a member of the avengers even though avengers is you know you buying that every month when you were growing up and, and there are certain things where yeah it's i still you know i I still love Amazing Spider-Man, and again, and I'll say it again. I wish I could read it right now, and 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 again, thanks to to Brian for the digital issues. And and there's there are, um, you know, yeah, there are characters that I still think about. Fine, props to Grant for for giving me a Hal Jordan I can read again. I, there's just, um, while I I love the capes and cowls and the four color stuff from Marvel and DC, I I you know if if it wasn't for those other shelves. At Dragon's Den, I I wouldn't have you know found Mage and 
everything else and Grimjack and Nexus. And there's just, you know, I, I, without, I, lots of love to Marvel and DC and, and, and for, for getting their hooks in, but that's, I don't know where I'd be if that's all that was a still being produced or what all I'd still be reading. Right. But did you note, or have you noticed that when the, a big two book clicks with us, it either walks and talks like the stuff that got us into fandom in the first place, or it's so far beyond what we're used to seeing from the big two that it, it captures our notice. Like this Tradmore Silver Surfer thing. Yes. Right? It's just so beyond the realms of what we've seen from Marvel with a character like the Silver Surfer that we're like, holy crap, you gotta see this. Look at this art. It's it's gorgeous. It's 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 so bizarre and and off kilter and it it's way far off center, right? So it it either like the the stuff that passes for a mainstream book doesn't really get us going. It's the stuff mm-hmm. that Immortal Hulk, that's a throwback to yeah. the to the bronze. Well, I was age. gonna say I was gonna say Jimmy Olsen, but yeah. Immortal right, Hulk or Jimmy Olsen, example. which is yeah. not in the cookie cutter style of a DC book. It yeah. it just doesn't w- operate like does when it operates like, that, like that a Kirby book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. It. Yeah. I mean my 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 on my list, one of my biggest uh highs and lows of of the hobby is 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 that it's nostalgia driven. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think we would do this show, which to me extends beyond that. And that we have the show, we have our, our friendship, we have the friendships the show's created. So to me, the show is this major tentpole part of my life. I don't think we'd have the show. I don't think we'd have the show for going on 12 years. I don't think we'd have the listenership we have if it wasn't for, our industry being nostalgia driven. Right. I don't think the industry would even be alive today if it wasn't for nostalgia, because as we know, and this is where it gets into the bad part, the industry went from being a thing that was a mass consumable for young people to, and we don't have to rehash all of comics history, but has evolved partly of its own doing and partly of just the nature of, of, of the, of the world into a very niche, um, nostalgia-driven older market, and and I I know people are going to say, oh, the millions of people read comics. I, I agree. There's lots of people are still interested in comics, but the people that are paying for them actually like spending dollars and 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 driving revenue to the publishers are people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that have likely been reading comics for a long time. Right. And, and, and the, the, so the good part of that again is, I mean, there's a lot of good about it. I mean, it is a big part of why we're, we're still doing this stuff. And like you said, it's, it's, it's when you get, when you read a, an, an Avengers forever, or you read, um, you know, a new incarnation of green lantern that, that, that you dig, whatever, uh, it, it's all great. And you remember it and you, you, you just chomp down on it and you savor it. But with that comes a lot of time and money and frustration for all all of us, and I think anyone listening to this uh, of 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 the stuff that you've read a million times before, because yep. you know again like and it's not necessarily the industry's fault. I mean, there are only so many stories to tell about the same characters, and 
it's hard not to, if you're a creator getting your first shot at those characters, to want to play with the same toys or to do an origin or to retcon a little something, but you got to put it back because it's not owned by you. Like all these things are very rational and logical, but when you're the consumer of each of those iterations, it's like the Matrix. You start seeing it for what it is and not for the for the purity of that. It's just supposed to be something you read and enjoy. You start remembering, oh, you get deja vu. All right, oh, we've done this before. I've seen this before. Oh, God, this person did this this character better. Oh, I remember 20 years ago when they did this idea and it was better executed. Like, it just, that's the tough part. And I don't know how you escape that because, I mean, there's there's really nothing else like it. Like TV yeah. shows, movies, nothing else nothing else has that continu- the continuity, the lineal history that that the comics have that have a fandom. I mean, nothing else is like it, right? Like, well, like, for, as far as Big Two goes, you don't escape it. No, you don't. Yes, right? be, no. because you will not extinguish the money making thing. It, it, it has to operate in perpetuity. There will always be a Superman comic. There will always yeah. be a Spider-Man comic. Yes, the 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 characters may change, and uh, Jean Paul may take the mantle for a year or two, but it's always going to go back. And 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 we as long term readers, we see this. We see the machine behind the curtain. We know how it works. That's why the lifeblood of comics is not. Even though Marvel and DC, well, Marvel and DC drive the direct market. The real lifeblood of comics is in the independent books. That's where the real stuff's happening. But then you get the problem with the 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 independent books don't attract the casual reader unless you get a Walking Dead or a a, a saga, which is like one in a million, right? So you have these two giant engines, one really really big engine, and then one somewhat smaller engine driving the industry and everybody's listening to the hum of the two big engines and it drowns out this tiny little motor in the corner that's cranking out these this this great power and nobody can pay attention to it because it's being obscured by these giant colossal war machines right what do you do i don't know if if there was an answer an easy answer it would have been solved by now Mm -hmm. right but i mean you brought up one of my downs and that's uh, cost. Now, you, you are the financial wizard. You know far more than I. But to my eyes, the increase in price from something that used to cost 20 cents in 1974 to $4 now seems drastically off kilter to me. It doesn't even... even you know, compensating for inflation and all this other stuff, it seems like the price, the four dollars for a, a twenty, a thirty-two page comic now that used to cost twenty cents in nineteen seventy-four, it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like that would be the logical progression to me. Yeah, a- am I wrong? Does it? No, I mean that's on my list. Sure, I mean how, how can any fan, of t- how can any two thousand nineteen comic fan not have the price of comics as a as a problem? Right? I mean. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it it is, it, and it's not alone here. But lots of it, lots of it, lots of content have suffered from this. I think that, and I'll, I keep saying it. I say it on the internet all the time. Um, I genuinely believe that many, many times more people download and tor- torrent comics and read them than pay for them. That's a fact. I, I, 
Yeah, and, yeah. and I mean it's like orders of magnitude. Like oh, like yeah. and so so the frustrating part there is that in a way those of us that have big orders each month are subsidizing um a, a bunch of other people reading these things who don't want to or don't feel the need to pay. And it is what it is. I don't know how to put that genie back in the bottle, but, uh, but it's, it all definitely is hand in hand with the fact that the price has driven people out. And, you know, I think it, you just see it all the time and we've lived through it, you know, as a result of the price now, um, it's harder to get people to try something and it's much easier for people to walk away because, the one thing our industry had going for it for a long time was that uh, we were willing to read a lot of shitty comics because we didn't want to break our streak. Yeah. Right. I mean, whether it was FF or Spidey or Avengers or whatever, whatever your thing was, or in some cases, lots and lots of things, we were just willing to continue to buy it because we knew that we were one creator change or one idea or one arc away from it being awesome again. And damn it, we weren't going to break our our our, our run. And um, the prices has made that not viable for most people. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, people don't have. I mean, you, you guys joke with me. I mean, I, you know, I, I. It's not a secret to our patrons. I, you know, I spend on average four to five hundred a month at DCB service, which is Silly. what pre-discount probably eight to nine hundred dollars of yeah, comics. That's crazy. But I mean, but I, but that's my point being that's that's I, I that isn't that is not something most people have the budget to do. No. Um. And and it's not like I'm buying more comics now than I bought when I had a pull list at the store when I was 18, right? So to your point, you kind of have to be a re- reasonably well-off white-collar person to buy as many comics as you bought when you were first getting into the hobby. Right, but it was and, easier to ride out that storm when right, no, that's a year like, you know, right when a when year your pull would, list was 30 bucks right would cost you 12 right. bucks for amazing spider-man for the year I, i'm using the dollar as the baseline mm-hmm. because that's the easiest thing for my feeble brain to to calculate so you, you have 12 dollars for a year of amazing spider-man maybe 1350 if you factor in the the annual okay i think and and i've said this right when they started the digital delivery of of comic books if publishers all agreed said okay we're gonna make these things a buck yeah i know if they go to the newsstand or the comic shop it's going to cost them three dollars but if they get the digital version which costs us nothing to produce they can have it for a dollar i would bet that not all of them of course but i'm guessing at least half of the many 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 people that download these things illegally would be like okay i can pay a buck for this and so if you rack up fifty thousand paid downloads of power pack number 32 you've just netted fifty thousand dollars you can't tell me that power pack number 32 costs fifty thousand dollars to make so dare you, you have your profit right i mean it's a simplistic view of it but i don't think I don't think I'm wrong here. Make like Apple, all songs were a buck. How do you think iTunes blew up because all songs were a buck? It was everybody could afford it. Why can't everybody afford comics? Yeah, I, I think I think Marvel especially. I think DC didn't go this route, but Marvel really. I think they'll they'll probably never admit to this, and I could be wrong. And, and maybe some of our friends that are at these retreats are 
going to be hearing what I'm about to say and laugh at it and say I'm out of my mind. But I really do think Marvel was more than willing to cut the throats of the direct market um, with Marvel Comics Unlimited um, if it had been far more successful than it has been. Meaning right. we've heard from myriad sources that for some reason digital comic sales have plateaued. Uh, and that really shocks me because that's unusual. Most 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 things, digital sales are continuing to grow. Um, but comics, it's not the case. And I have my own theories there, not the least of which it's very, very easy to download 100 comics illegally in seconds. So um, it's just not the same as like trying to figure out how to download a giant movie or something, which still a lot of people don't have the technical know-how to do. Right. Um, but whatever, for whatever reason, I think they're kind of between a rock and a hard place now because um, I think they'd be happy to sell you a $15 a month subscription $10, whatever, to read every comic they make, but uh, not enough people seem to be interested in that model. Because, which is, is strange, though, Th that that's like saying, hey, you can read everything we produce every month for 15 bucks. If you're a Marvel fan, why wouldn't you buy into that? Well, are you a Marvel Unlimited subscriber? I'm not inter that interested in their books. Okay, all right, fair. But, right, but, but I, if... I'm a I'm a subscriber, but, but it's, but yeah, I mean, lots of people are not right. It, yeah. And you can, ha as long as you're willing to wait six months lag, then you can do that. You can spend, I think it's, you can probably on some deals, you can spend like $60 a year. So you're spending $5 a month and you get all other books. Yeah. You touched upon another of my downs. Should we, we switch topics now? Sure. Or, or Dap, I mean, do you have anything to say about the the price of digital comics? I, or comics in general. Or the, comics well, in, no, well. in, in comics. No, there. It's it's um. It, <laughs> anybody who thinks, yeah, no, it's it, it's more than worth it for four bucks. No, it's the the price is. I I, I know. Yeah, I I try to. Part of me sometimes feels bad for people who say, "Oh no, I, I can read a comic book in eight minutes." And and yeah, my initial reaction to that is, "Well, that's one hell of a way to insult an artist." But it's yeah, I get it. There's depending on your reading comprehension and how quickly you can turn a page. It's easy to consume this pamphlet in in a matter of moments. But you know, there's some people do try to investigate and 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 just really take in every panel and and yeah you know, i i try to look at it as getting my money's worth out of it and and, and there are some comics that i get from the local guy who is not as as cheap as things i get from dcbs but that's and that's on me you know i just i want to support the dude and i want to get things quickly but as far as the digital stuff yeah i truly do think you know, it's the same thing with with prose books, with new releases, and you know, you can get a hardcover for twenty four ninety nine. Why, why is the why is the same version off the Kindle close to the same price? And 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 it's it's ridiculous. But I also try to look at it from the point of view of it. It's instant gratification. If I can wake up in the morning and spend that same four dollars for something I can read right now before I brush my teeth with no ads, and I'm ready to go. For some people, I don't. I want to say for some people that's worth it, but I understand why the publishers may not feel the need to charge less than than the physical than the paper version of it. But you know, if if you want it right now, 
you're going to pay the premium. It's the same thing if 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 you want to spend the money on on um, on the digital version of of the movie when the, the week it comes out instead of waiting a couple of weeks for it to be on demand or even um, getting it on disc when you can then get the digital code for the same price all at once and 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 now you can watch the the digital version whatever but um to to see the price of comics now for when there's really hasn't been as far as i mean yeah the packaging is a little different with the covers and the computer coloring and this that and the other but when it comes to 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 the vessel it comes in how how it's presented the same type of paper um same however many pages or in some cases less i i think there's there's a disconnect with with the price for for what you get exactly i, I agree but with you guys completely when you're in with digital you're paying for the experience with the physical you're paying for the object and you get the experience yes vis-a-vis and, and, so and i think the, the object should cost more because you're getting you're getting more with the object Yes, the digital, yes, you're just you getting the experience. You're just right. Mm-hmm. You're in a sensory deprivation tank, and the only thing, the only sense that you can have is your eyes. You get to see it, you get to read it, but with with the physical object, you get to smell it, you, you get touch, to touch it, you, touch, you yes. get to hear it. You know, it's. I would, I would lick absolutely it. love lick it. Uh, yeah, absolutely, especially the uh, the invisible invisible woman comic Jason loves, and you have the. <laughs> I would absolutely love if if digital went. The next step, and you know, you zoom in on that panel, and if something references a previous issue, you tap that editor's note, and you get the option to 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 read that comic or buy it or whatever. Or you you just you get you're you're more it becomes just a more different experience. And and they haven't they haven't gone. I mean, yeah, you had the AR, and, and that's great, cool. Okay, yeah, I can get inside the comic, but yeah, I, I want to be able to, you know, if 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 you're referencing something, if you're referencing the Great Darkness Saga, and I'm a Comicsology Unlimited subscriber, then I should be able to tap that button, and now that trade is in my library, ready, waiting to be read after I finish this. Well, issue. that's a given, right? I don't know why they don't have that. I know. Uh, which leads me to my next one, and, and unfortunately, it's another down for me and it's the immediacy and i know it's a product um, immediacy of the comic or the the news immediacy or? of everything in this sure. di- in this I, digital age i'm with you i think i have i have, this, I have a similar one negative yeah I, i'm a huge fan and proponent of terrence mckenna and i'm not going to get into his theory but he says in 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 short that time is speeding up because of the advent uh, or the 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 accumulation of novelty we have so many new things and the frequency with which these new things are becoming real is increasing where we had hundreds of years of nothing millions of years of nothing and the space of technology is like a little tiny tiny dot on this huge line of of progression from the big bang till now it's it's you can't you couldn't even see it you'd have to zoom in on the 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 advent of technology and where we are now would be at the very very end of this timeline right and he postulates that because novelty is is steamrolling everything's new and we get all this new technology by the day that time is speeding up and and jason you just said it 
when when you put on the Facebook about uh, Colin's confirmation, like, how do I stop this? How do I <laughs> yeah, stop the yeah. progression of time? I yeah. feel this constantly where we have all this social media and we're bombarded with uh, conjecture and opinion and um, just we're just information. We're bombarded with information constantly. And now we have an ability to read these things digitally. There's, there's an immediacy to it that freaks me out that someone says, did you read Batman 74? Dude, it just came out an hour ago. Yes. And you're talking yeah. about it and you're spoiling it and yep. you're, you're revealing, you're, you're, you're squashing the experience for anyone that That's stumbles it. upon your yep. message. And that, that just kills <laughs> the, the fandom for me. It just kills it because Preach. I want to have a disconnect in between the time I order it and the time it arrives at my home and I get to read it. I don't want somebody commenting on it. Um, there's too many ways to let our feelings be known. I, I love the days yeah. when, when we had a very, very narrow window of, of um, commentary. And we could, we could write a letter to DC or Marvel and say, yo, this issue was great. Now there's somebody doing it literally minutes after it comes out. Yeah. And it's, it just I, bugs the hell out of me. It's not a fun thing. I hate the con. I, I, well, I don't want to say hate. I dislike the concept of live tweet. Now, now, if if I'm, you know, I get it. If if I want to enjoy Game of Thrones or something like that, I know I have to stay offline, and that's fine. It's I, horrible. I, I can, it's horrible. No, I, no, I'm saying like you know, listen. It, it's ten o'clock on a Sunday night. If I want to sit there, nine o'clock. I want to sit down and watch something. I'm not going to like my my attention isn't going to be diverted by by me also scrolling my timeline, but. If I have to check something online at the same time, if I have to, if someone sends me a text and, hey, you know, like, all right, well, while we've been recording, apparently, not apparently, but Rick Ocasek has, has died. I know. I'm so, so sad. It's right. And, and you know, if if someone sends me a text and says, yo, did you see this? And I start and, and I, I, I go and I look for it and I find out, you know, something else happened. I shouldn't need to also see that a friend of mine on Twitter has decided to spoil something that I I'm watching either on delay or, or for like, just give it a second. It's not. And, and I don't want to hear that bullshit about, Oh, it's the water cooler. If you don't want to hear it, don't be online. No, if I'm at a water cooler, there's only like five people around that water cooler. I have to actually walk by to listen to that conversation. You're just blurting shit out from the rooftop. And, and, and you have the option I, of punching that guy in the face, right? If you, if, you know, if you're walking by and somebody says, you know, Hey, Alfred died. You can just clock them, and and yeah. that, guaranteed that person won't do it again, right? But that's true. And but I think this, the advent of of technology and the the ability to communicate with anyone anywhere on the planet, I, I may be a luddite. I don't think that's a good thing. I, I I don't like it. I don't. This global village thing where everybody's connected is not a good thing in my mind. Um, if, if you want to experience other lands and other cultures, go there, right? It's, it's, the journey, the experience is much more gratifying when you actually make the, the, the pilgrimage to these places and, and see the land and talk to the people and, and shake their hands and just get, you know, like I can read a Wikipedia page 
on on Saudi Arabia. I've never been there and get kind of sort of an idea what it's like to live in Saudi Arabia, but it's much more vivid an experience to actually go there, right? And I just I just don't mm. like how fast and and how the the speed with which yeah. information is digested now. And it may be a product of my age, right? Because sure. I remember being a kid and like none of this was even a dream. And now here it yeah. is. I parse these things out in different, I, I like you're touching on a lot of different things that I think I like, I, I, some I see completely from where you're coming from. Others, I don't see it that way because I think that, uh, I mean, generally you're talking about the internet and then how it's basically made the world a smaller place, which I mean, I'm a globalist and I've made a small fortune investing in the internet. So I'm it's true. definitely pro, pro internet. And I'm also pro, I, I think from a societal standpoint, unequivocally, a connected world is a better world. Um, and I, we could spend hours me defending that case, but I think empirically speaking in terms of beyond comics culture, it's without question made for a much better world. But, um, but, but that said, getting back to comics, um, I, my number one best thing is that the internet has made it a more communal hobby. Um, because I think back to, and I'm sure some people's mileage may vary, but, uh, being a comic fan when we were young was something that was a huge part of our lives, but it wasn't all as glorious as we made it out to be. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of guys, well, mostly guys at that age, but we're, we're, we're fan, I mean, like we're stereotyped to be uh, social misfits and stuff because there was some truth to it. I mean, we found that avenue to be passionate about something that was inherently insular and the reason we started this show is because it was meant to evoke the rare times when you'd go to the shop mm-hmm. once a week or two and and connect with others like yourself and chat for a bit about this world, which was awesome. But for 95% of the rest of your life, you, you didn't really have anyone to talk to about this stuff to. Uh, you, you just kind of were into it yourself. Maybe if you were lucky, you had a friend or two. Dawson was in the comics. Um but as a kid, man, I mean, I, I didn't have anybody to talk comics with. My best friends weren't into it. They didn't get it. They thought it was you know weird that I did it, but whatever. They were just like, it is what it is. But I certainly wasn't sitting down and telling them how badass you know, Buscema's Avengers were. It just wasn't like a thing. And then I think like many, once you get into the world where you're going to college and then getting a job and having a family and a career, um, going to the shop just wasn't feasible for me. And I never could have imagined 15 years ago when I discovered mail order comics, which then I eventually replaced with discount comic service uh, and then podcasts that like this would be such a big part of my life again, because it wouldn't be if it wasn't for the fact that the Internet brought us together, brought an ability for us to talk to a broad audience and have literally thousands of people want to know what we're saying and to foster friendships and adoration and 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 camaraderie across the globe. I mean, we have people that we're dying to meet from other countries at New York Comic Con. We have people that we've never set face to that go through the trouble of mailing us <laughs> art and books and and liquor and like it's like just because they love what we say to them. Like it's sure. So, so like we wouldn't all be great friends like you're my brothers if it wasn't for that. So, so for me, I think that like with many things with the internet or social media, 
there anytime you're talking about a sea change in the way society runs, there are going to be two sides to it. And, uh, and I think the balance of power, good or bad tilts, depending. Um, I think that the, so to me, the, like the fact that we're connected is a great thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think though, getting back to your initial point, I a hundred percent agree with you. The idea of the expedience of information, which is a byproduct of our being connected is horrifyingly bad mm-hmm. and one that I think is doing massive damage to our society as a whole. Um, it's destroyed the value of journalism. Like it's I completely eradicated it because journalism stopped being about being right with the story and it was all about being first. And for a long time, being first was always punished if it turned out you were first but wrong. But over the last 10 years, it's become okay to be first and wrong because someone else always, or you can always re- recorrect it. And I just hate that uh, news now is just all about uh, who has it first. And I think that that's been embedded into in a generation of people, like you're saying, that are like, they want to be the first out with the hot take, the first out with the review, the first out with the news breaking story, because only the first person is going to get the credit and the retweets and the and accolades. And like, if you're not first, you're last and all like I, I, I detest that part Same. of the culture. Um, and the thing I think that as a fan that it really does is it calcifies us because News is just we're trained to react viscerally, like overreact to things quickly. And then by by nature, when you overreact to something, your adrenal glands put out this adrenaline to react, you know, good or bad to something that goes away. That's a transient thing that injects into your brain. And the more it happens, the more your brain tells itself not to react to it. And so I think. In comics, we, we're really just, again, this is more a thing about society. We've gotten to this point where we react to things and it's the best or the worst thing ever, but then we literally stop caring about that same thing a day or two later. Yeah. Like to the point where we don't even mention it again. And it, and, and, and it seems silly to frame it in the context of comics when it's such a bigger deal like, like mass shootings, right? Or the, rainforest fires or climate change like right these are things that are legitimately destroying the fabric of society or the world but we're so used to incendiary headlines about them and getting worked up about them that our brains have convinced us that we get really really mad and upset in the moment and then we're back to posting funny memes about cats an it's, hour later. It's true. And, yep. and, and it's just the way our brain it's not a like I'm not admonishing that I'm saying like that is just the brain is trained to just move on now because there is no coping mechanism beyond that because things we tell ourselves, if we keep reacting this way, we're going to have a stroke and we're not going to be able to change it. So ergo, we just got to get past it. And it's just, it's a societal thing. And comics is just a microcosm of that. Well, yeah, that's where I'm approaching it from. We're, we're just a, a small part of this whole thing. But just to get back to the, the social aspect of, of the internet and, give rise to what we do here. Of course, I cherish the relationships that were a a byproduct of this internet thing, right? I mean, I'd be stone cold, I'd be dead hearted if I didn't say that, yeah, the the people mean something to me and the people came from the internet. We, We wouldn't have this friendship without the internet. But you you know you got to look at it from we we each are products of our of our upbringing right i was an only child the comics were my friends the the letter columns were 
inroads into that fandom. And the fanzines were another way to get into the fandom. Um, if I wanted to commingle with like-minded people, I would go to a convention, right? So I was, I uh, maybe good, maybe bad, but I was born a lot of years before you. So all this stuff is, is completely alien to me. And, and, uh, yes, I've, I've, I've experienced it as it happened, but for the most part, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's a good thing for me. Yes, for society, it's a great thing. But for me, there's a reason why I'm not connected to my phone, uh, why it takes forever for me to reply to a direct message because I'm not, I'm not connected all the time. In fact, I don't want to be connected all the time. Um, I see the internet as the thing that destroyed publishing, that ruined the, the music industry. Um, and it's, it, you can't dispute either of those claims. The internet has killed publishing effectively. It, it, it has taken an industry where someone from, um, Roanoke, Virginia can make millions and millions and millions of dollars selling records to where now even, even the biggest acts can't really make all that much from music. They make money when they go on, on tour, right? So it's, it's hard for people. There's no get rich in the arts anymore because of the internet. And see, I, I just look at it from that pers pers perspective. I was there before this and I saw what this did where it took these beautiful paper things that I love so much and it just squashed them because it was far easier to press a button and distill a PDF and throw it up online, right? So I get it where you, where you think it, the internet's a wonderful thing, and it is in terms of medicine and science and, 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 and the social aspect. Like when somebody can take a video of somebody being beaten by the cops and put it on online and to show that, yeah, there's a worm in the apple, that's awesome. But in, in terms of art and how it's bought and enjoyed and and perceived i don't think the internet's a good thing at all so i guess that's my clarification yeah no i get you i get you speaking to the microphone my friend you're a little you're a little uh far away there you go say something uh how's that yeah oh, much better there we no, go no it came unplugged i didn't it was like just loose in the back all right. At a loose, a loose connection. Mm. But, uh, so do we have any, uh, you guys have to have another up and down. Oh, yeah. Let go. Um, so, the, one of the best things is that conventions are awesome now. Yes. But one of the worst things is that conventions are hella crowded now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... The convention world has evolved massively, uh, even in the time we've done the show. Um, I mean, we were at the first New York Comic Con. It was a novelty. People weren't sure if it was going to be a success. <laughs> they weren't sure if they could justify having it at the Javits, which is funny in retrospect. Um, and it's really a wonder. I think it's another one of those things like I always joke to my kids when I take them into the city and they're in awe. And I, they say like, oh, you, you don't get excited by this. And I'm like, well, 
I work in the city every day. I, I'm numb to it. Like I, if I if I lived in North Dakota and we took a weekend in the city every year, I'd probably be mesmerized by it. I feel that way about conventions. I think we're a little jaded because we go to a lot. And we get pretty good access and we get to go and hang out. And it's like so we we can nitpick on a lot of the stuff. But I think like objectively speaking, con- conventions are pretty amazing now. I mean, there are these gigantic mini festivals of fandom for two, three, four days and they're self-contained, right? They have music and food and beverages and uh, cosplay and, and, and you can meet the creators and you can meet movie stars and TV stars and, and legendary creators and modern creators. And you can buy any book new or old that you want. You can buy any art new or old that you want. There's, there's, there's stuff for any budget, whether you got ten bucks in your pocket or twenty thousand. Like it's, like it's, it's definitely they do a great job of catering to a ton of different niches that make up collective fandom. Yep. Um, but since this is about what we think, they're fucking crowded as hell, and it's annoying. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like, I mean, you know, listen, we've taken to pretty much not going to the con on Saturday, New York con, Comic Con on Saturdays now because it's just, it's almost impossible to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want these conventions to stop being like this, but I don't want them to be as crowded. So, and I know you can't have, you probably can't have one without the other, but yeah. Well, again, um, in hindsight, conventions were always crowded, but the venues at which they were held were much smaller than the Javits. Sure. Sure. So I'm used to the hustle and the, the, the bumping and the, the squeaking through, uh, Teensy, teensy spaces that that has all that's been a, a constant as far as conventions go. But I, I we complain about the the crowds, but I love conventions. We in the moment I'll bitch like you and and, <laughs> and like David, but uh, you you know when when my foot I mean Heroes was the the prime example when my foot touches that con floor. Like, I'm in heaven. I I just see conventions as just a universal good, even though they're crowded as hell. Um, I can't help but love conventions. Mm-hmm. Dappity. No, I'm um, I'm with you. I mean, for one thing, they that what 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 Vince said mostly. It, it for for one thing, they they're really even though we say it every year. They're really the only times the three of us get to see each other. So, so that right there is is things I'm I'm always looking forward to a convention. Um, I there are there are absolutely some that are far and away better than others. Yeah, for for, for New York, that I don't want to say it feels like a job, but for New York, that's it's it's our home show. That's when we that's the show we like you said, like Jason said, we don't do Saturdays really, but that's that's the con where we know that's where a lot of people are going to come and we try to make the time so we can see as many people as we can. So so that's that's not necessarily a relaxing weekend for us where where we can um check off some things maybe on the bucket list or even just, you know, try to 
accomplish some things that we wanted. Oh, uh, this is the weekend. I'm I'm going to look for this, this, or this because that that's New York Comic Con is not necessarily a shopping show unless you're shopping for for original art. Whereas Heroes, that's that's a weekend. That's that's a vacation and a half for me. I I can just I, I can walk through the aisles. I I can just take my time. It is a fantastic shopping show. Um, so really, they're they're on as, as much as. I enjoy both conventions, but they are uh, opposite sides of, of a coin. The mm-hmm. um, the yes, it, it is crowded. Yes, things get a little crazy. It's not. I miss the days of comic conventions, and that's another reason why I adore Heroes. Whereas New York is a pop culture show. It's it's yeah. it's it's what and and that's what San Diego became. And I I really wish back when I saw the Rick Geary ads and and back when the San Diego Comic Con was. A comic book convention. That's the comic. Con, that's the, everybody says. Oh, you guys got to make it to San Diego at least once. Yeah. If if it was 1989, I'd say absolutely. Mm-hmm. But now, in 2019, I I don't you know I don't really need to know what's going on in Hall H to find out what what the HBO Watchmen show is yeah. going to be about. I can just I can I can wait for it to be. It'd be like New York Comic Con without the access we get. And without and with having to spend two thousand bucks to fly out and stay there, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay, it's, show me a couple on that. I'll just, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying San Diego East Coast. I'm cool. So, yeah. the um, no, I absolutely, I mean, and and cons are just, it's it's a way for me to to connect face to face as opposed to just hang on online all the time. I, I, you know, we whether it's the Facebook group, whether it's Reddit, whether it's Twitter, we we can always chat with with our friends. I, you know, we're 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 chatting with with people on the Slack and things like that, and and that's great. You know, I, I'm on a daily basis. I want to keep in touch with my friends and 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 those near and dear to me. But a convention, at least, I can share a beer with you. I can sit across from you. We can actually have those those private jokes together without um, having other people around. Where it's like, oh, you have to be there. It's like, you know, okay. And, I and in many so cases, we can have those private jokes with people who actually make comics. Right, yes. like yeah, yeah, you, yeah. we're sitting at the table with Scotty, and we're you know, when has that ever been possible? So, yes, right. I, yeah, I don't. Uh, I have something built off that, but I but I want to adapt. If he has a one on his listing, want to hit up, and I can always come back to this. Um, a uh, a low for me is this sense of fan ownership. This this. Oh, that's on. That's my. That's the next one. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things where it's like. Never mind that you know you're not a real fan bullshit, but it's it's just that. Well, that's that's my that's not my Spider-Man because that's that's not the way he acted in 1980 fucking two. It's like, dude, it, it's like it's okay. Okay, my wife and I we watched the 2019 Aladdin this afternoon. Enjoyed it immensely, way more than I thought I would. Watched it la- uh, last night, boo. See, that's great. And yeah, it was and, we loved it. Yes, and I, I listen. The original animated series, the uh, cartoon that that sacred ground to me. I did not want to know. Uh, you want to read? You want to do a live action meeting the Beast or the Frog and the Princess or like it, whatever. And and when I worked, when I was a manager of Coconuts, when I would open, I would alternate. I'd slap in the VHS of either some mornings it would be The Lion King, other mornings it would be Aladdin. And that's just what, because we had to play the, the, the G-rated stuff for everybody. But the original Aladdin, 
I know the soundtrack by heart. I can recite lines. I absolutely adore that movie. And and for them to say, okay, we're going to make a live action movie, it's I I tightened up a little bit. And and then mm-hmm. you then you know you have Will Smith, who is a very talented dude. Love the guy. And and there was and when they did Prince Ali, and he's sitting there and he's he's shimmying and everything. And and I turn to my wife and she's got this ear to ear grin and she's just like, how can you not? Like Will Smith, and and he he just he brought it, and and he wasn't trying to do Robin Williams, and it was fantastic. But the point I'm trying to make is that everything is made for someone. It may not be made for you, but it doesn't mean someone isn't going to enjoy it. And if somebody watches this Will Smith Aladdin movie and absolutely loves it, who the hell am I to say that that shouldn't exist? That's that's mm-hmm. not a thing that you should enjoy. And and here, watch this because this is what it's like when when um, Jason mentioned it the other day. One of the oh, the Cannibal Run movies. Mm-hmm. Your boys don't get it, right? Yeah, which and I know it hurts your heart. It it, yeah. it 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 obliterates mine. But it's it's one of those things where you know this is the time and place. And if if this, yeah, like, live, what do they know from from Frank Sinatra or Sammy Davis or? Or or, or Jamie Farr, right? Like they yeah. don't know. Like it, it's not cool for them. But to if see it was Jamie Foxx hang- in it, right? Yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there was a modern day remake of Cannibal, they probably thought it was think it'd be lit. Yes, and and it's so if if somebody so so you know, listen, it may not be your version of of Luke Cage or your version of Doctor Strange. It doesn't matter. It's it's like you had yours. That's and and it may come back. You may have some some. Um, there may be some homages to it in the future, and and that's cool. And you can remember when, and maybe you can connect with someone else over it. But just because something is new, and in some cases different than what you're used to, doesn't make it bad. And you don't own everything. It's you have yours, and that was that, that was special to you. But that doesn't mean someone else can't have a go at it. And and I just I, I just would like people to. Loosen up a little bit with certain things. Um, but yeah. the high, Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, please. Keep going. Ahead. No, actually, no. I'll, before, my high is different, so I, I, I wanted to hear you. Oh, more. well, my you, you're getting it at a, at a low for me, but it was paired with a high, which is that I, I think, speaking personally, and we've alluded to this a few times, I think it's great that we have unfettered access to creators. Because as a fan and as someone who now has a, a vocation of sorts – about the industry um we are pretty freaking lucky to be able to basically contact almost i mean for the most part we can reach like 98 percent of creators right i mean doesn't mean they're gonna want to do an interview or go on the show with us but we can reach them i mean we can we can actually get word to them and 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 a, a big slug of them will happily communicate with us which is pretty awesome because Getting back to other things that we're passionate about, whether to Vince's point, music or movies or TV or novels, that is not the case in any of these hobbies, other other passions, right? Um, you may occasionally, because you're a super fan, get to contact with a band or a actor, but you're not like able to sit down and say, you know what, uh, let's see if... Uh, you know, let's see if uh, uh, Jason Momoa uh, wants to come on and talk about Game of Thrones, right? Like, like that's <laughs> yeah. not like you just can't do that, right? right. Um, so I love that, and I, and I think it served us well. It's it's and it's it's to this day. I you talk about pleasure. I get immense 
immense pleasure from crafting an email to a creator we've never had on the show and reaching out to them and giving them a little, you know, a little, uh, little juicy juice and then having them hit back and say, yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to come on the show like that. Getting that response, like like the first time we had Matt Wagner on or like getting Liefeld on, like guys that, you know, are people that we have a preternaturally care about a lot or when, um, you know, Vince had Josh on for that. Like, like that, that's I get that excites me in a way like huge amounts of excitement, like almost butterflies. That's super awesome. But to your point, getting back to where you were coming from, I think that my downside is paired with that, which is that fans thinking they deserve unfettered access to creators. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I think you should never take it for granted. And even this long, even doing it for as long as we've done it, I don't take it for granted. I'm still, because, that's why it's still exciting. Like I'm still excited when, you know, we had Kelly Thompson on. I didn't know, we didn't know Kelly personally, never met her. She doesn't go to cons, right? Like it wasn't like we had a previous relationship and said, Oh, we should, you should come on the show. Just reached out to her, politely said, we're big fans of your work. Um, doesn't seem like you do a lot of podcasts if you'd be interested and she came on it was a lovely time right we had a great time and we yep, absolutely and 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 like but my point is is like if she had written me back and said oh thanks a lot but i just don't i don't do podcasts or if she had never written back i wouldn't be like oh screw her her books suck right like because <laughs> like i don't know from her i mean maybe she's shy maybe she's busy maybe she's uh had a bad experience with podcasts maybe she's listened to our show before and thinks we're douchebags like i i don't know like like and and that's fine right so i think that um the industry crafted this culture where fans feel they deserve access and a voice and that's and it's the deserving part that's the problem and i think that's what's given light of like the comics gate thing right these these guys that largely profile like us right i mean I would say the average comic theater demographically probably looks and sounds a lot like us, right? I mean, yeah. like 40, 50 year old dude, been reading big two comics for 30 years, is nostalgic for them, spends a lot of money on them. And the difference is they have taken their uh, view of it to the point where they feel that the the way that they want the comics to be is the only way they should be. And and they need to just try and destroy any other iteration of them. And I think that all gets back because they feel like they deserve their fandom. And like you don't deserve a thing. Like you just deserve your own. Like you you control what you consume. That's all. Yep. We don't deserve to be able to dap up people at a con or or we don't deserve to you know get in early. We don't deserve to get comped books. Like it's awesome that we get them, and I feel we do right by the people that provide those things to us. I feel like we're we're I think we're fair and, and try and and uh, like I think we we try and give back or at least create some kind of balance or recompense for those privileges we receive. But it's never lost on the three of us that they're privileges. Right. You know, I love that word, recompense. But, oh, I yeah. love it. I love it. So, but I as, mean, not as, not to be somebody. Who follows? I just want to, because of the three of us, Jason, I think follows sports way more than, than Vince oh, and I. Sure. Now, this is always this always struck me odd that I, you know, I'll see I'll see people bitch to Kurt Busiek or complain about something that Larson did in Savage Dragon as if they've never read two hundred and forty issues of Savage Dragon before. They don't know what's full of tits, but you'll see people who try to get in on Twitter at least get in the faces of creators. I never see anybody do that to 
baseball players or basketball players online. Like if 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 LeBron James is on Twitter and he tweets something like I don't see a bunch of people oh, say hey, no, they do. do they? Okay, oh, see yeah. that's crazy. Oh I, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'd, I'd ask Vince if anybody does it to musicians, but I mean, a lot of musicians are just like, no, we'll go fuck yourself. But I don't. It's it's just, I just see it from the comics point of view from from the comics angle scene of it. But I, I it 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 baffles me that that people have that that sense where it's like I just I just spent. Three ninety nine on his comic book. I want Tom King. I want you to explain why this happened. And it's like, what? what? I don't like how someone is wired that way. Is just um, absolutely baffles me. Yeah. Well, at the risk of sounding like an unfeeling asshat, that stuff's not a concern for me. I don't. It's. I mean, you, if you bring a thousand people in a room, chances are good that at least a hundred of them are going to be assholes and very, very vocal assholes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it exists, but it's. I wouldn't consider that a down for me. I just don't pay attention to it. You know, it exists, and and when I see it, I just I go to the other side of the room and talk with someone more sensible. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the that, that's a prudent way to do about yeah, it. Yeah, it's. But I I do have an up. And yeah. it's it's a huge up, and I, I just want to get, keep it a little positive here. Um, I don't think at any other time in my uh, comics fandom has there ever been the amount of access to older material as there is now. Like, I, yes, like say, like for a company like uh, I'm just throwing this out here, like Titan Comics, to publish the entirety of Jack Katz's First Kingdom in quality deluxe hardcovers that you can buy and read at your leisure and put on your bookshelf uh the the complete Ms. tree or a giant volume of scud the disposable assassin where you can get all these comics in one lump vintage stuff like again titan comics with with the druyer series that they're doing or just compilations of vintage material and at at just a a a, a a ride away or a, a click away at Amazon or, or in stock trades or discount comic book service, the, the amount of vintage, beautifully presented material that is at our fingertips is staggering. My dude, my number three on my list of bests, the proliferation of archival editions. Yes, I can get all of Wit's End. Yes, I'm going to pay a premium yes. for it because I was stupid enough not to order it when it came out, but I can get all of Wit's End right there. Like wow, that's crazy, right? And, you, you, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's just, it just, it, 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 it instills excitement in me that I can get these things that I was either too young to buy when they came out, or for whatever reason didn't get as they were being released. Now I can get them, and and I can have them and own them and love them. Same. I, I, I think I was just down as I mentioned earlier today in my comic room for a while, and I. As you guys know, it's overwhelming right now with how many how many, how many hardcovers I have in there. Um, but I I get the same joy out of owning those things, and even to the point where, just like it used to be with the long boxes, where you leave through and you're like, oh, I forgot I own that. I'm in there and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot to have this. Oh, I gotta read this. Or like, oh, that's right, they did make this. Oh, I, this is great that I have this. Right. Uh, I get such joy in possessing these things. Yes. The physical possession, knowing that they're there to be read, to be enjoyed in a beautiful form, in physical form, is just, 
its elation to me. And it really has, where I think I differ greatly from you two, is it has essentially archival editions and original comic art have 100% replaced for me the love of collecting a single issue. Sure. Um, I always think to the to the scene from Indiana Jones where he's trying to replace the skull head with the bag of sand. Um, for me, I did it perfectly. The trap didn't go off. Um, and, and I've replaced it with, with OA and, and, and these collected editions. Um, now, now I, I mean, a part of me, when I see you guys lovingly pouring through long boxes for hours on end and just being your eyes lighting up when you come across a random issue, um, I, I'm, I, not jealous isn't the right word, but, but I'm, I wish I could have the excitement that you two have for that process. Right. Because that's at cons. You can do that to your heart's content. And in fact, you do both do do that. I I get like, I have attempted in vain the last few years to go with you guys on those excursions. And it most immediately think, no, I just don't, it, this just isn't, I get no joy from it. I, I don't have any, I don't have any desire to add to my single issue comic collection. Well, if you came with us, you would notice that most of the things we pull out of those long boxes aren't collected. No, sure. No, I yeah. get that. So, I mean, we, yeah, sure. or in, in, in some cases where we're getting all of it for less than the price that it would cost us to buy the collected edition. So yeah. that, I mean, that's a driving factor too. But in most cases, you know, you, you pull out a, a Dark Horse Presents, like, I don't have this one. Well, chances are real good that that, that stuff in that hasn't been collected. You know, so sure th- that that's one thing. But like, I see these books every month in previews from Roy Thomas and the PS Art Book um, Company, where they're taking like wicked obscure books, like uh, or or expensive books, like Planet Comics, and you can get you can get the entire run of the heap and have it on your bookshelf to read when whenever you want to. That's just it. It blows my mind because. I remember a time when this shit was hard to get and very expensive and you just didn't find it. Now, no holds barred. Like everything is almost everything is available. I wish someone would just en masse reprint all of Skywald. Like if you can get a complete psycho run and just have it on your, but look at what um, Mike Richardson did with Dark Horse. You can buy the entire run of Creepy. It's done. You can have the entire run of Creepy in archival format to just enjoy at your leisure. Mm-hmm. Like, pew, that's my brain exploding. And I just, I love that aspect of the, the of fandom now where everything is, almost everything is available to us. It's just great. Fanographics with the, the vintage um, Disney collections of the Carl Bark stuff and the, and the Godfrey's um, Mickey Mouse. It's just, it's staggering the amount of stuff that you can buy now. And what's crazy is there's there's still a never ending supply that we could that we're still going to have. It's very true. Yes, and right. that that even makes me more more optimistic, more energized that there's the there's going to be something in the next mm-hmm. volume of previews that I see and it's just like woohoo! I'm going to buy this because I don't have yeah. it and now. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's it's phenomenal. That that's a huge uh, driving force. So, and and not only that, but I mean we're just talking domestic what about all the manga that's been produced you know, that's that- what i'm getting at manga but not just manga bond SNA, right I yes mean, I just um that that is just i just love it 
I mean, I just, uh, whether it's humanoids or, uh, you know, uh, the lion forge, lion forge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I just, uh, or dark, dark horse does it too. I just, um, some of my all time, some of my 11 o'clock, I mean, David Rubin, right with hero. I just I, like, I see this stuff and I just get, it just excites me to you're getting back to the initial, the early moments of this conversation tonight. Just, these are the things that excite me because yep. I don't, um, I think that's what, what it really comes down to is what, when you, when you have as much experience in this hobby, you want to be excited. And so in a way, a lot of the things we've, we view as pro or con now are tangents of that. Like the things that like everyone being first and information being out there. Like I, it's not exactly like everyone being fans, everyone being first with it, but I, I, I do miss the ability. Even though it's kind of ironic, we, we get previews, you know, you and I have been support through previews, and we've gotten David to do it now too. We all do previews like right away. We do videos for the patrons about previews, so we're certainly fans of previews. But I do miss the raw excitement of walking into the LCS and knowing I had my pull list, but then scouring those shelves to see what else is on there. Yeah, that's fun. And picking books off, and just because the cover looks cool. And you're like, oh, what's this about? And just being excited because you don't know what's coming. Yep. And then when you get home and read the comics, you don't know what's going to happen in the comics. And you remember what happened in the issue before, but you don't know what's about to happen because you didn't see a solicit. You didn't see a hype cycle. You didn't see an event built around it. You didn't see a preview for it. Uh, and that made it more exciting, good or bad. I mean, it made it more exciting. Yeah, So the, the promotional cycle for me is... Now, that being said, I mean, I, I, I have that low on my list because, honestly, we do we can control that. Like... We we could avoid previews. We could avoid solicits. We could avoid, uh, right? I mean, we, like that. Like it is possible to do that. Um, it is, but it's not. I mean, I think we would miss more than the walking into a comic book store experience could provide, because more often than not, the average comic shop owner can't afford pepper sure. their shelves with yeah. archival now more than ever now yeah ever. yeah so you i think in order for us to remain energized previews is a crucial part of it because yeah we wouldn't ha- we wouldn't see this stuff otherwise that is crucial to me the advanced solicits or just the regular solicits the the marvel and the dc stuff where it is time sensitive that stuff i don't need to see if 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 I had the habit of of buying Incredible Hulk, I would just click on it on my DCBS order. I wouldn't read the solicit because I love. Yeah, the, no, I, you're right. That's I, how I do it too. I, I love I, the I character. Yeah, no, you're you're right. I do it too. I I don't um, I don't read the solicits for most of Marvel and DC's previews. Right. Just if it's a first issue or a new a new thing that's that's new. Because of the show and because of the previews and stuff that the videos right. we do, I, I I will read it. But but yes, I mean like I'm I'm not going to read an Avengers solicit. I'm not going to read a right. Batman solicit. Right. Like I know that I because to your point, because that let at least then be a little more surprised when the issue comes. Yeah, I do flip um, to the back. Of, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hours, to, hours, sure. to see what Marvel and DC are yeah. offering in the collected editions. That's a given. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll let that boy in here too. But I did want to throw in because it's part of this. I mean. Uh, and this isn't because they're a sponsor, um, because I was a client long before, long like Victor Kayyem, who bought the Remington. I was a client long before we did the show. Uh, DCBS is a massive positive for me. Um, as a it's client. on my list, too. Yep. Uh, because 
and I was as I do as I said earlier, I was um, I used a, their a competitor of theirs, Mail Order Comics, initially. Um, they've subsequently bought Mail Order Comics out of business, but because because they're ballers. But um, <laughs> no, but but you know, again, professional guy, especially when when this when I started getting back into collecting heavy. I mean, living in the burbs, eighty hour a week job, wife, young babies at home, just didn't have an LCS near me. Um, and the likely path would have been to be one of those guys that occasionally buys a trade at the bookstore, right? <laughs> when you're there at the mall because you love comics and you hadn't read one in a while and just henpeck and you hope you pick something up that's cool. Uh, and I would have been a, a far less ardent fan. Um, but the ability to get them to my home without any of that hassle and to curate what I want. Um, is a huge part of it, but the other part of it is is the economics of it, right? I mean, uh, he, you know, I, I had a lot of pull lists, a lot of LCSs over the years, and I was very appreciative of the ten or fifteen percent, sometimes twenty, I guess, for special occasions discount you'd get. It was always helpful and was great, but it just doesn't compare to the forty fifty percent we'd get off at, at DCPS, that's and that's true. a huge deal. There are a great many books I'm willing to spend a dollar fifty or a dollar ninety nine on that I wouldn't spend two fifty or three bucks on. Yeah. So, well, yeah. For, for the majority of my collecting, or or my comics fandom, I'll say, I would solicit a comic book shop, but I w- would also do the mail order, like I did Westfield, I did Heroes Aren't Hard to Find, and I, I would keep the single issues. For the most part, with the mm-hmm. comic shops, and uh, especially Comics on the Green. Once Comics on the Green opened, that was very close to my house. The proprietor was a great guy. He gave me a, a robust discount, so I would I would get the singles from him. Uh, but I always would reserve the collected editions, the hardcovers, the obscure stuff that uh, advanced comics or previews would offer. I would get mm-hmm. those from like, say, Westfield and or Heroes. But when DCBS came up, I saw that and I saw the discounts and I said there's really no reason to to get or to have a local comic shop. They just cannot compete with this. And and I made I made the offer to the, to the local guy. I said, can you match these discounts because I'll just get them from you then. And he's like, I can't go that, that deep. I can't. Yeah. You know, so I mean, uh, I wanted to be fair, but I also wanted to, you know, I, we have finite budgets for these things, which is a bit redundant to say finite budget, but we have budgets, right? And so my dollar could go farther, much farther with Discount Comic Book Service. I just completely just everything in their basket. Now, if they ever went under, God forbid it, I don't see that happening, but if they ever did, I'd be majorly screwed because there's no way. That I'm, I mean, retail's not even an option for me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. No, I can't do it. My my reading would plummet. I would just get maybe a handful of stuff. Yeah, you know. So, Dap, do you have a an up up up? Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to um. And I'll. I I do, but but to echo what you guys said about the um, about the collected editions. I mean, they've. Back in the day, the 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 trades would collect a couple of issues here and there on newsprint, 
uh, cardstock cover, and, and and that was your your collection. But obviously now they've gotten a lot more fancier. And yes, I, I'm still though of the mindset, and that's part of why I do the the back issue diving is is that I'm still in the mindset where that collected edition is is a reprint, and and I I still part of me still wants that original that first printing and and um even though the story's the same and and you know and i i, I preach the content is king and 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 not the baggage it comes in um it's there's still something about the, my, my mentality of when i started reading comic books and and uh needed them it, it's still that that first issue but the um but what I love about collections is that there are there are books that I had to when I moved that I no longer have. Um, that at least these reprints are a way for me to to have them again, and uh, just in case I can't find them in the back issue bins. But the um, the highs for me, um, there was it's it, it falls under it's a great time to be a fan umbrella and i was was getting my hair cut last weekend and um i'm sitting in the in the chair at the barbershop and um trying to figure out what i'm gonna go again before new york comic-con and and i'm listening to the guy in the chair to my left telling the barber asking him if um they were they were talking about Disney Plus, and that turned into Netflix, and whether or not um, you know if, if if they watched the uh, the Marvel shows. And um, one dude was like, you know, he only watched The Punisher, and he really liked it. The other dude was like, you know, Daredevil was great. He's like the only one he didn't watch was Jessica Jones, and and then that turned into them talking about the, the guy in the chair asked. The barber, if he ever watched, if he if he watched the boys, and he's like, no, I heard about it. He goes, that that's on what that's on Amazon. He goes, yeah. He says, yeah. So he's, like, so he's at the dude in the chair is actually like giving giving the barber the gist of what the show's about, about how you know it's the superheroes and and their um, public face is is all positive, but of course you know their actions and their consequences, and and they're actually having a dis- and I'm like I'm listening to this and I'm like he's just two random dudes in big skill talking about comic book characters on on tv but the fact that you know whether you're just it, it's how it's part of our part of people's everyday call co- i mean you know you can watch sports center and someone brings up you know thanos in the infinity gauntlet and and it's just like you know that, that's unheard of 10 years ago and 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 yeah. there's just it's you, you we watched um Today was movie day. We also watched a long shot, and and part of that p- part of the Seth Rogen's character is um, Charlize Theron's character has missed. She, she's running. She's been Secretary of State. She's now running for president, and 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 she's missed like a whole decade of her life because she's just been consumed with work. And Seth Rogen is asking her, you know, about all the things she's missed, and he says, "How have you never watched the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff?" And I'm like, and he, and he calls it that, and I'm like, and so so they're actually watching. Uh, the Winter Soldier in Russia, in Russian. Um, but at the end of the movie, the, the the Seth Rogen character has a portrait painted of him, and it's and he and it's painted 
by Todd McFarlane. He goes, yeah, it's huh. on my porch. It's by Todd McFarlane, who's the Crazy. creator of Spawn. And I was just like, mother- awesome. like you're just going to drop shit like that. And it's, and, and, you know, some people might know Todd McFarlane as, as the baseball guy, but it's just, it's, um, it's as much fun as it is for me to be a fan now to see how much of it is, um, is I Friday at work. I was getting a delivery of a couple more computers. The guy's dropping it off. Uh, they saw my undershirt and it was one of the, the Funko Pop ones that you get for the Marvel Collector Core, and, and it said Marvel at the top. And he's like, "Hey, nice shirt. I didn't know you were into the Marvel stuff." And mm-hmm. and so you know, we just started riffing about that. And I, I told him about the podcast and and about because the New York Comic Con's coming up, and we we just talked about that for a couple minutes. But you know, he knew the movie. He knew Stan Lee, and it's just one of those things where it's just and and that's that's not surprising. Stan Lee's been around forever, but it's just it's you just how it comes up in normal conversation and as as a big of because i'm a comic book fan and that's part of my life on a daily basis you know just to overhear conversations where you know you wouldn't expect it in certain circles it's just it 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 blows my mind so i'm 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 enjoying being a fan still to this day because of what i'm involved in and what's around me but i'm a big fan because of how much the culture has embraced it because back then when i was reading comics it was you know i i would keep the comics inside other books to read and 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 eventually i just said fuck that and that's how i became friends with some of my friends in high school is because they saw me reading a comic and we just started chatting about shit and so eventually you know people kind of just say the hell with it this is who i am but for a time yeah it was, it was a little embarrassing it's like nobody wanted to know no, nobody wanted to admit that they like certain things and and um and it's completely I can't imagine it ever going back to that. It's just it's it's a completely it's a whole new world now from not not in the past few years, but just from when I grew up, it's just night and day. Yeah, well said. I have the uh ubiquity of comics culture on my list. Um you I mean you you, you hit it. I don't need to really say much more, but it's just it's still baffles me that you can be walking down the street and just see bros with Captain America t-shirts and college co-eds with Miss Marvel hoodies and young girls with Spider-Gwen yeah. outfits, you know, and 60-year-old people with Stanley Excelsior shirts. Like, it's just baffling. I can't believe that we live in that world where Yeah, your, micro- of- your microphone. Your microphone came out again. Hmm. Is that better? That's much better. Yes. Damn. Um, I gotta. I might have to get a new cord. Um, no, but just that we live in that world, which is super neat. That uh, people, like you said, Dap. I mean, long gone are the days where uh, wasn't that I hit it, but even people that knew me just didn't care that I liked comics. Right. They didn't want to ever, no one ever said, Oh, Hey, what, well, what's, uh, what's this, what's Spider-Man about? You know, they were like, Oh yeah, it's your comics thing. Um, and now I can't be at a place where someone doesn't think of me, you know, it used to be people would come up and ask me for stock tips. Now people <laughs> would ask me, Hey, uh, what, what's, uh, what's, uh, what's, uh, what's going to happen with Thanos? 
right? Or like, <laughs> what, uh, what, what's, what's the deal with the, the, the golden? In the, in the, is that the Marvel character already exists? Like, do you guys know something about that? You know, and you're like, oh, sure, yeah. Well, that's that's Adam Warlock, and you you start and and it's and it's not. And people are genuinely interested. Like they genuinely want that knowledge. They want to understand more about it, and and that is awesome. But as with many things tonight, it goes both ways. Because on my bad list is that comics culture is ubiquitous. Because I, as much as the movies and the TV shows are awesome, and I love them, and I'm so glad we have them. I am still, even though I understand the why, I am still crestfallen that we live in a world where everybody cares about these characters and nobody seemingly new cares about the guys yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, even the kids you know my kids love the movies and and my kids friends love the movies and they go to the opening weekend for every single one and they're stoked when new ones are announced and um but damned if i can get them to even set foot in the comic room right uh so Overall, it's certainly a good thing because the more money these companies make off these characters, the more likely they'll continue to subsidize the creation of the books. But, but I I wish that it tra- I wish it had a trickle down effect that it doesn't have. Yeah, I agree. Like the last the last time I heard anyone ask me. Or make a statement of like, you know, who the hell's that character, or why are they going to make a movie about that? Was was in two thousand eight when when the first Iron movie, first Iron Man movie was was announced, and I was I was with a coworker, and and the ad comes on, the commercial comes on for the movie, and and he's like, the hell's Iron Man? And that was pretty much the last time a question like that was asked that, right. that I overheard, and ever since then. But yeah, no, you're right. It, it's is I, I wish people would um just check out the source material and but that can that can lead to a whole other thing because it's it's i i just read the um before we recorded tonight i read the titans issue that that collects the uh, the walmart titans book and there's no cyborg in this story and now if granted if you watch the justice league movie cyborgs on that team if you watch the doom patrol show on dc universe cyborgs on that team if you watch titan titans go cyborgs on that team but here's the titans comic book no cyborg in it and and it's if you want to say that okay that then he should be in, in the justice league but this mm-hmm. this also doesn't seem like it's the tim the the, the damien robin it, it reads an awful lot like tim drake because he also he's tall and he carries himself a little older but i don't know and, and it's robin I didn't read it as Red Robin, so it's it's just it's if you do enjoy the live action stuff, if if you do try to find the comic book, as I know for a while when when the Captain America movies were coming out, it's like Sam Sam was Captain America because Steve was an old dude, and and you know someone wanting to read about Steve, and not to say that there's not there's a shit ton of there's epic collections and essentials, and there are plenty of Steve Rogers. Captain America comic books out there. You can hand somebody a trade and you're good to go. But, you know, if you want to go into and, and buy something new, not everything reflects what someone just saw in the movies. And, and mm-hmm. not to say that, I mean, that you could say that, that is good or bad. Cause if on the plus side, now someone's in the comic shop 
there's a whole new world for them to to experience but um sometimes people just want to see want to read something about what they just saw and and that's not always available but still i mean the source material is there you should be able to yeah but that kind of goes back to whether or not you're a real fan and it's like listen if, if you're enjoying captain marvel on the on the movie screen cool more power to i don't you know i'm not going to force you to read a comic book because that that's that's not your scene but um you know you're a fan you're a fan that's great i'm not going to say that you're less of a fan because you know you won't go into a comic shop and read something but yeah i do like you just said jason i do wish that that would lead to people checking out the medium we all love now i'm betting if we know vince at all this is very low to not at all on his list of things that he uses absolutely much. non-existent yeah i figured yeah. as much <laughs> yep in the pie chart of comic fandom for me 90 percent uh, orange, that little blue sliver of ten percent down at the bottom—that's the the movie and TV shows. No, I get it. They yeah. just—they're not a. Uh, they just don't excite me. Yeah. And and the reception to them, I yeah, I just don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a down. Okay. And, and it requires a time machine for me to go back and convince Jim Shooter not to do Secret Wars. Because I oh, think <laughs> I think I think I, I didn't have that on my list, but that's yeah, great. Secret Wars and the event mentality that it spawned, and I mean, it was one of those ideas where Jim took a look at what Jack and Stan did with the Avengers, and mm-hmm. like, hey, you can have all your heroes participate in this story, why not? But since Secret Wars, the event has become a a very uh, deflating mechanism that we see over and over and over and over in the big two and it just it's if there's anything that could suck the the wind out of my sails it's an event um it's just one of those things that i would uh, prefer never to see again i (laughs) i i can't co-sign that only because i i mean i i dislike the mentality in that every every the problem is listen i i love a good event i love i love seeing a major crisis come up where you know all our heroes need to band together and solve it um providing the story is good and and i'm entertained by it i do not like that that sense where okay we did this last year we got to go bigger next year and we don't need it Every year, because if you do it every year, that's what gives us bloodlines after Armageddon two thousand one, and 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 that's that's not a good look. I don't I don't need you guys to 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 try to top yourselves. I I, I want you to be organic, and and that's that that comes with the whole continuity aspect of it. I just I want a natural progression of things, and and you trying to publishers that's the you know, I'm talking about publishers trying to shoehorn an event in because it's it's we're getting near to summer so we got to do something big so let's make sure all our storylines are pointing to that no that's i don't i don't need editors to direct the ship i want the creators to be able to tell the stories they want to tell and it's i'm not going to say that secret war shouldn't have happened or or I enjoy the story of Crisis on Infinite Earths, whether or not some of the fallout from it um, 
the majority of it was good, but you know, some things also kind of um, got hurt by it. But I don't. Um, yeah, I, I as 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 a as a comic book fan who, who loves seeing the team ups and all the heroes get together, I am not. Um, I, I enjoy a good event, but I definitely see your point where um, it's it can be detrimental. It's saltpeter for me. For for I mean, and and I love the the fact that you use the term organic with Marvel and DC, where very very little anymore is organic. That's, That's why I was so surprised with Jason Aaron's Thor because it was organic. But I mean, it wasn't a crossover. But Jason Aaron built this mythology around Thor that he started, and now he's finishing with with King Thor. And yes, War of the Realms was an event that was that dovetailed into his telling of this this Thor saga. And I'm sure, you know, there was some editorial nudging, like, "Hey, can you get an event out of this Thor thing you're doing?" I'm, I, you know, because that's the mechanics of big two comics is to is product. But it, it's the, the uh, that was cool. But more often than not, it's okay. We have this thing, and it's it's crucial and it's giant. And the the whatever universe will never be the same. Here it is, six issues. But wait, it's going to touch every single book yeah. in in whatever universe. That's the mentality that I I, I really have found um, to be a, a giant wall keeping me from enjoying these universes that I've loved for so long is because not every story is going to warrant spilling over into every book. That's true. It's just, and, and, and and shame on us for falling for it to a certain degree every single time. And now we're, we, we see these things advertised like, wow, coming down the pike. uh, It's this, this giant story. And we're like, yeah, okay. uh, Pass. I'm just gonna, you know, wait till it's yeah. over, and then I'll I'll start reading the, my my favorite book again. So, and but I can only imagine what it's like to be on the other side of the table when when you're building a narrative in whatever book you're working on, and somebody says, "Oh, Jean Grey has to make an appearance in in your book for three months in a row," because that's what we've blocked out on the chart of this, this giant event. And, yeah. and, and I can think, I can see a creator being like, oh, Jesus, how do I shoehorn this, this Omega level character into my book when I'm writing a story about sentient frogs in a swamp? Like, you know what I mean? Like it just, it, yeah. it doesn't fit. And, and, and as a reader, you can tell it doesn't fit, but. And I got to put mine on hold. To accommodate right, right. something else that I didn't have planned, yeah, but no, but I guess if you're expecting organic and 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 th- those types of of storytelling from the big two, then you know the joke's on you, right? Because it's not about that anymore. It's about how can we entice someone to buy a title that they normally don't buy? Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's a great one. It wasn't on my list, and it's actually. Probably should be near the top of the not so great things. Yeah, it's a downer, man. It really is. Yep. For every crisis and 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 um, uh, what was a great one at Marvel? Um, we'll just go with Secret Wars, right? But for every great one, there's ten that 
10 Atlantis attacks, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. It's just like, whoa. Yeah. An- another one that's a byproduct of the way the industry evolved more than a natural creative extension, um, but a kissing cousin of what you're getting at, Vince, is uh, the the writing for the trade. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You I know, uh, and and it and it's I totally understand it to your point. Like if I'm a creator, I get it. Uh, the industry went from single issues to trades for a while. and That was the new growth engine. And so it made sense to tell stories that were compartmentalized into five or six issues because that's how it was going to be most likely consumed. But we've flown past that. I mean, trade sales are pretty much done. People don't buy trade paperbacks anymore. Really? Uh, yeah, no, nobody buys trades anymore. They buy, they might buy like omnibus or collected editions or digital packages, but nobody, like soft cover trade paperback sales are essentially like have gone to the toilet. Um, Even at Image? Uh, yeah. I mean, at least the growth. Okay. I mean, they're still a part of the market, but I mean, it's just not growing anymore. So, right. so I'd like to think that we, that creators can now get, a, get away from, from that, but it'll be hard, like you said, especially creator owned, because they still have to figure out an end game, which is getting these collections that they can sell themselves and make profit. So I, maybe it's not going away. I guess I hope it goes away. Um, but I just don't, because artistically, it's just, it's another construct, right? I mean, they already have to write for 22 pages. Like that's already, a, that's already something they have to do. Um, and now they have to write for 22 pages with a max of 110 pages. Right. And uh, so it just, um, I'd like them to, I'd like the industry to be able to just do one issue, two issue, 10 issue, whatever the story warrants. Just do it. Right. Right. Organic. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this is uh dovetailing off yours, but on my list, I have decompression as a major stumbling block for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, if we if we ever took the time to go through, say, the first sixty issues of Fantastic Four, I mean, we're talking about, you know, like fifty percent of all the IP that Marvel owns was created in those sixty issues, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> like now you got now you have fucking forty issues tied into telling you about the time that. Carnage became really powerful because of Null. <laughs> and again, that's not an admonition of the story. As I said, I think Absolute Carnage, the event itself, like the five or six issue event or whatever it is, like is fun. Like it's a fun story. I'm not. I, I didn't pick that up like to make fun of it, but like, I mean, do we, do we need fifty issues to tell us that story? No, of course no, not. No. Give me a story like the old Legion stuff where it's dense. And in 22 pages, they maybe visit three planets and something really exciting happens on each planet. Like, that's fun. And and they wrote not thinking that, you know, they had an infinite amount of issues to tell this story. They wrote because this is an issue that somebody's going to buy and we got to give these kids a complete story, you know? And that that's a great way to approach it. Like, it's a difficult way. Now the writers have a luxury of of actually coasting through a story, hoping that inspiration will strike them somewhere down the line, and maybe they'll they'll pull it all together at the end of these six or eight issues. Where back in the day, these guys had to you know basically knock it out of the park every single issue, and yeah. it's it's just a different it's a sea change in the 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 way these things are were, are and were constructed and. Uh, you know, again, get off my lawn, but I, I just, I long for those days where, and Jason Aaron's doing it now. 
he's giving us that in Conan, where you got a big picture and you also got a, a little picture, a complete little picture that ties into the big picture that is taking its time to progress. That's a good way to approach it because it's 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 value, it's entertainment, it's exciting, and it's it's unlike the way everybody else is doing it, at least at the big two. So do we have um any more? I'm sure there's I mean we can go on forever with this. I, I could I could pull another ten out of my out of my head. Yeah, no I, maybe a few quick hits. I mean uh and, and this is something I'm sure most listeners will nod to. Uh it's great when an awesome writer or artist is announced to come onto a title that you like. And it sucks when it's a artist or writer <laughs> that you hate. Right? I mean, right. That's uh uh, a way I have, you know, I, I love that it's so easy to find and access original art now because it wasn't long ago if you didn't come across it at a con or stumble across it somewhere through a friend of a friend or luck upon it, you just it was really hard to know who had what and what was out there. And now you can you can really find the original art uh, on almost any subject or creator pretty easily. Um, but the downside is, of course, that the uh, the the validation of the comic book art market um, has has completely transformed over the last even five years and ten certainly uh, more broadly but but as a result uh, prices are just uh, exorbitant now um, so uh, if I could go back in time I would God I would just be devouring Artist Alley for in 1985, I would just be uh, just just taking every dollar from my busboy job and, and buying art. But um, but say, Libby, have I told you? I told you my Kirby story, right? Yeah, yeah, 150 bucks a page. Yeah, for Journey into Mystery Kirby, and I Absolutely was like, baffling. oof, that's that's pretty steep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. should <laughs> I should have bought the whole damn stack? Absolutely, yeah. I'd be living. You'd be working for me. I would be. I'd be running your, the the Bonavolio Foundation. That's right. And it was a pretty hefty stack, at least two inches. <laughs> nice. That's what she that's said. What you, yeah, yeah, that's what she usually <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, so we, I hope, we hope you've enjoyed this, because this was a lot of fun to do. And, it was, and, a little riff on fandom. Yes, and there are, are many other avenues uh, which we could go down, but uh, maybe we'll leave that for another time. Because there's there's plenty of episodes to come. Uh, in the meantime, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock comics. That's uh, those people who are already denizens of that well lit corner of the uh, the internet. Uh, they know why they're there, and they know what they get, and they know what happens because they're there, and you can too. So um, if you want to join the club. We don't have badges and membership cards yet, but that's something we should do, right? Freaking 11 o'clock comics membership card? What? What? What does it entitle you to? Um, less space in your wallet, but it's fun to have, right? Yeah. Uh, Patreon.com, 11 o'clock comics. Check it out. In your travels, I, I don't want you to read something as much as uh, watch something. You, you'll probably end up reading something as a result of watching this. But uh, access the YouTube, and I want you to watch. Now, it's listed as something other than the title. It's listed as In Search of Mobius. 
BBC okay. BBC4 documentary. But the real title of this thing is Mobius Redu, A Life in Pictures. And it is, of course, a, uh, a look into the man that was Jean Giraud. We know him as Mobius. In fact, he, he, he's the man with three names. Uh, he was Gear, he was Giraud, and then he was Mobius. And it, it goes into uh, his uh, early days, uh, being raised by a single mother, um, later on when uh, Jean was in art school, his mother remarried, and uh, the man was Mexican. So uh, Jean took time off from school and during his third year and went to Mexico and was completely transformed by the Mexican desert. And when I saw that, I'm thinking, holy shit. Because if you look at a lot of the, 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 the mid-period Mobius stuff, there's a lot of expanse of desert in his stuff. And I'm just like, whoa, that's the connection to Jodorowsky too. And and um, it goes into the uh, creation of Blueberry and how it was very successful, but he felt like he was in a rut because he was doing these Western stories and he really wanted to do science fiction. And then it goes into M- Metal Erlon with Druyer. And I'm like, I never realized how crucial Druyer was to the formation of, of um, what later became Heavy Metal in the States. Uh, there's commentary by Mike Mignola. Stan makes an appearance because Stan and Mobius did that Silver Surfer parable. Mm-hmm. And Stan basically admits, he goes, yeah, um, we did it the Marvel method, which means I gave uh, Jean a, an outline of what I wanted. And he came back with this awesome story. And I'm like thinking, <laughs> isn't that how you've done everything? Right? But whatever. I, I digress. <laughs> and there's a... Uh, of course, Jodorowsky is a big presence in this thing, and it 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 goes into the uh, Jodorowsky's failed Dune project and how he brought uh, Dan O'Bannon into it, and then Mobius and the there's a crucial link between Dune and Alien. Dune failed, and Dan O'Bannon was so. He cried. He, he, he's, he's in this thing and he says, I cried. We put so much work into this Dune thing and it just didn't happen that, uh, I was, I was crestfallen. And because he wanted something to do, he took Mobius and later H.R. Giger and, and they later made yeah. Alien out of it. So yeah. Alien, Dune is crucial to the, to the existence of Alien. Nice. But, um, H.R. Geeker's in it, and then Dan O'Bannon and, and Mobius did The Long Tomorrow, which inspired Ridley to make Blade Runner. And there's so many tendrils from Mobius that worm their way into the things that we love, right? Jim Lee's in this thing, and he's extremely complimentary to Mobius. Um, but the, the the real highlight of it for me was not only seeing Mobius and hearing Mobius comment on his own work, but Jodorowsky's in this thing a lot. And he, he, there's one scene, it's going to curl David's toes, but Jodorowsky says that Superman makes him vomit. The, the, the Western way of approaching superheroes and comics in general makes him vomit and he shits on the United States. (laughs) 
you know Yodorovsky. He's a nutcase, right? But he's brilliant, too. Um, and he, he says, that's not the way we approach comics in our part of the world. We, we, we do this organic thing and, and no one does it better than Mobius. He's contemplative. He's insightful. He's, uh, and then he makes a distinction between the artist Mobius and his friend Mobius, who he doesn't know. He, he knows the artist Mobius, but he never really got to know the man Mobius even though they were together on many occasions and would 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 talk and and break bread and just be together he said mobius is an enigma he never really in you know his feelings were never apparent you would get them from his work but as a person he was he was very very different and it's a beautiful documentary it's great for free on the youtube you can watch it it, it search for um in search of Mobius, and it'll come up. But it's really called Mobius Ridu, A Life in Pictures. It is phenomenal. It's only an hour. It's not going to kill you to watch it. And you will learn something. Um, there's a lot about, you know, the early days of uh, Metal Erlant and uh, Jerry Cornelius in the Airtight Garage. And they actually show Mobius drawing. And you would think from that beautifully construction, constructed line that he was slow. He was friggin' fast. He's like bam, 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 putting it all down and he's drawn and it's like, wow, this guy is a force to be reckoned with. Just watch it. It's great. Long-winded, I'm sorry, but it's a great documentary. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in your travels, um, I caught up on the Green Lantern, so... Check that out. You can avoid the annual, although annual is still written by Grant Morrison. The art by Giuseppe Camicoli is fine. Um, and I've often wondered what Airwave has been up to. Um, and he appears in this annual. And Airwave is Hal Jordan's nephew. Um, I remember him from backup stories from... Um, DC Comics in the 80s, so I've often wondered what he's been up to. Uh, so he's in this annual, but the main story um, is just crazy. Number eight is probably um, it's it's entirely possible it is uh, it's it's my favorite issue um, from the run because it is a uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow team up. Um, very much reminds me, although very trippy, it reminds me of Hard Traveling Heroes by um, Danny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Uh, the eleventh issue, there's there's a uh, there's a multiverse appearance as in the later issues, uh, so you get various Green Lanterns, including a Batman who, as Hal uh, gets confirmation, uh, Batman is a dick in every universe. It's it's just it is a um, it's it's a very beautiful looking book, and and it definitely feels like a Grant Morrison comic book. It reads like Grant Morrison comic book, so um, you can take that exactly how it's meant. Uh, but it is still, um, I'm just happy to be enjoying a Green Lantern comic book again. Uh, is Calvin Ellis in it? You said multiverse shows up. Does does Calvin show up? No. Oh. At least not yet. No, okay. but it's, it's but it's a bunch of Green Lanterns we haven't really um, seen before. 
it's uh it's it's just um it's yeah it's not the it's not your typical multiverse like there's no power ring there's no uh it's it's just they're all newish green lanterns um oh so it's there's, it's the multiverse as focused through the green lanterns it's, yes it's not yeah. it's not multiverse Dominion. No, no, no. Oh. It's not. Yeah, no. It's not. It's, it's not a tie into his event. Oh, it's, okay. it's just. It's. It's Green Lanterns. Um. And and there's a. Uh, there's an Abbot Sir, which at first I thought was gems on the Saturn. It, it's just it, it. But it's. Yeah. It's. Nice. It. How beautiful it is is what's. Um, oh. I mean, he's Liam's got some some quietly going on. He's got some Neil Adams going on. He's got himself going on. There's just it's. It is a. Um, it's a gorgeous looking book. I, I did not get the collections since they're only they're chopping up the series and now that this Black Star uh spinoff is happening after the twelfth issue, whether or not we'll get the Green Lantern again when that's done, because that's a limited series. I, I'm just waiting for a big honk and um collection of this, but I'll um I I, I have been enjoying it. I know Vince says it's it's the greatest thing DC is putting out right now. It's close to it it's um i haven't loved every single issue and the issues i have enjoyed i have enjoyed muchly and then like i said the the uh the eighth issue is my favorite and the last few have just been stellar um started off a little slow for me in some places but it it has not it's um it really hasn't let me down i've i've just i've been enjoying it and and hopefully in your travels you will as well Sharp is a huge contender for my uh, penciler of the year. There huge, we go. Huge I contender. I can so see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, I don't, I don't, we'll see what happens when the dust settles, but he's in. He's definitely in the running. Get your popcorn ready. Yep. Uh, okay, in your travels, uh, going back to, speaking of 11 O'Clockers, a strong contender for my publisher of the year, and that is No Brow, uh, and it is their newest offering, a original graphic novel called Kingdom by John McNaught. Uh, it is um, a wordless book. And essentially, it is a walk through uh, a few days at uh, the Kingdom Fields Holiday Park, which is why it's called Kingdom, which is a British seaside vacation park that uh, the uh, main focal point of the book, Andrew and his sister Susie and their mother uh, partake in. And the thing about this book is, and, and really all of McNaught's prior works as well, it's what he's known for, he has a way of making the mundane interesting. Uh, and this is another example of that. This is basically a visual uh, walk through uh, a few days at the shore uh, from the eyes of, uh, of of a child, and it's all in the way he does it. It's uh, it's it's rendered in um, a very muted uh, pastel uh, color set, and uh, it will remind some of Chris Ware at points in terms of the layouts. There's one page that's got 34 panels. There's other pages that are two page double spreads. It's it's. He definitely has fun with the with with the uh, the layout of a uh, you know of, of a comic book, but uh, 
Yeah, it's it, it's it's just one of those things where you read it, it brings you into it. Next thing you know, you can pretty much feel yourself at the shore, and then when it ends, you kind of come back out. It's almost like you go into a hypnotic trance and uh, are are there uh, viscerally, and then you're you're back out. So, um, not the kind of book you should pick up if you're into a hearty narrative or want a holy shit moment. This is very much just him showing off his artistic chops, trying to convey uh, the sensibilities of what it would be like to be at the shore retreat for a few days as a kid. So I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's the kind of unique book that no brows bringing to the table that you just don't find anywhere else these days. So, uh, so keep them coming. No brow. There you go. They, they make good stuff. They really do. Uh, since this episode was sponsored by the patrons, uh, I'd be remiss if we did not mention we have a winner for September's book of the month. Do tell. I will do tell. Um, there was no, there were no losers because even though Jason and the Facebook group suggested people vote one way over the other. Um, I ain't mad because regardless, <laughs> it, it, it would have been a good time. Although this is one I think all three of us will have a good time because I know Vince is up for revisiting it. I am always down and I want to hear Jason's thoughts because for once he can answer his own question about when did you first read this? Uh, but without further ado, the 11 nominees were Black Panther by Christopher Priest, a complete collection. Crisis on Multiple Earths, Volume 6, Fantastic Four Visionaries, John Byrne, Volume 1, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes, Grendel, Devil's Legacy, Lobo by Keith Giffen and Alan Grant, Volume 1, New Teen Titans, Volume 1, The Punisher, Welcome Back, Frank, Sparring with Gil Kane, Debating the History and Aesthetics of Comics, Spider-Man, Death of the Stacys, and Star Trek Classics, Volume 5, Who Killed Captain Kirk? I was... Very happy to see that uh, everything was voted on and some things got higher percentages than I expected. All, again, all our winners, uh, your top three were um, The Punisher, Welcome Back Frank, with 14% of the votes. 25% of the votes went to Black Panther by Christopher Priest. And your winner, and the book we will be reading... Uh, or reviewing, discussing, uh, let's say the 26th of September is Lobo by Keith Giffen and Alan. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Barely, barely winning with 26% of the votes. It was extremely tight, and it was Lobo was in second place for quite a I while. I may have done a little lobbying there. A little. I'm saying, I'm saying. <laughs> I, I was not, you know, I was not one of the... Um, I wasn't about to say one way or the other. I, I would have been, like I said, I, I would have been happy with one of them. I, I really, I, the, the Grendel's Devil's Legacy was completely um, for Vince's benefit. As my birthday present to Vince was, oh. was for us to be able to review that. But it was a, um, yeah, it was, it was a hard fought battle for a few days. I, I really, I really am happy, and I, I cannot wait to um to reread this again. And it's uh, 
that's where we are with that. And I want to thank all of the um, all the patrons on Slack who, uh, when we told them what uh, what the theme was going to be about, a few folks did throw their highs and lows out, um, which hopefully they can then now post on uh, in the thread when uh, when this episode gets posted online, so we can find out their their highs and lows without us. Reading them off. Um, Bunch of chatty cats. Love it though. Yeah, that's great. That's why but we're yeah, there. I, I, I sincerely am thankful for uh, for all of them for uh, for chiming in. And again, thank you to the patrons on the Patreon site for throwing out suggestions. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, this this was a lot of fun. I I said I didn't. Um, well, we knew this was going to be the topic. I. I uh, had some things mulling in my head. Wanted to kind of see where uh, the discussion was going to go, and and um, a lot of it was off the cuff, but I I loved it. It was it, it was a fun time. And we hope you had a fun time too. If you would like to continue the party, there are many ways to do it. Come to the Facebook groups, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit. It's all out there for your perusal, and we'd be glad and very happy if you would uh, stop by, join the group. Please answer the questions on on Facebook, or Jason gets really, really salty. Um, And so in the meantime, say goodnight, David. And now wait, the time in between the goodnight and the David, that's the time Stan Lee spent writing Silver Surfer Parable. Hilarious. So, there you go. <laughs> Super meta. <laughs> I literally, I swear to you, the book sitting on the top of the stack next to me right now is the newest version of Silver Surfer Parable. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's the hardcover treasury size edition they just put out? Yeah. You, you know the panel where Galactus is walking through the city streets and, and you see his back and he's just knocking buildings down as he's walking? Stan goes, look at this. Our our guys in America wouldn't draw it like this. No, this took someone from France to draw this like this. And I'm like, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about, do you? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. So say goodnight. <laughs> I just wrote it, David. Uh, goodnight, David. Nice. Nice. A little bit of history lesson for you there, too. You heard. We love you so much. Come back next time. Oh, hell yeah. Usher them out, gentlemen. Lady, y'all. Peace and love. We can get to each other.